Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We are live with a completely unnecessary podcast. The first for 2015. Woo! January Woo! 4th, the special Sunday playoff edition of the CU <laughs> podcast. Alongside... Sick Ian Ferguson. Howdy. I am barely sick, almost well, Pat Contry. Mm. How's everyone doing? How's everyone's 2015 going so far? Mine's okay. Ian, how's yours going? Uh, I wrote my first check for 2015 the other day Ooh. on credit slips, and I haven't I haven't messed up once. Right. Do you usually mess up writing checks? Well, like, I haven't put 2014 down. I've, oh, I've, oh I've, that's right. I've nailed 2015 you know, every single time. You know what usually get me every grade school? You know, we'd always have to put the date, like, January 5th. I'd always do, like, 1989 instead of 90. Like, it would take, like, two <laughs> freaking months. I wouldn't get in trouble for it, but it was always a weird thing. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I mean, I write slips like that all day. You know, the credit slips look a lot like checks. And, uh, yeah, surprisingly, I haven't screwed it up. Coming up on the show, before we get back to New Year's, uh, we're talking about the interview controversially being dropped by movie theaters and, and then shown in theaters and on video on demand um the scalper getting hosed from the interview that's a good story yeah, so that's a that's the feel-good story of the that's week. That, that's one that's <laughs> the one you want to stay tuned for um the playstation and uh xbox uh network going down over after christmas after the christmas holiday um nintendo winning a patent lawsuit about the wiimote so that's going back some years uh, two NWC cards sell. The first open auction of the NWC Gold in like five years, at least. That's a good one. Uh, we'll, talk, we'll talk about the term fanboy. We'll talk about Sam Raimi commenting on Spider-Man 3. We'll talk about movie ticket sales being down 6% in 2014, and plus the lowest number of tickets sold since 95. Smash Brothers creator being interviewed. Daniel Bryan returning to the WWE and your Q&A. So did you do anything fun for New Year's, Ian? No, I fucking hate New Year's. It's the, I don't like it either. No, I, I don't like it at all. Uh, and that's not... It's partially me being a fuddy-duddy. I don't want... I, I just... Is it the sense of mortality and impending death every year? Is that part of it? No, it's no? that... Um, this is going to probably sound bad, but I don't like drinking in public. I don't... I, don't, I, I like to drink in the comfort... Is that my the own, big reason why? Of my own living room, and I don't want to be around a bunch of fucking amateurs. <laughs> Certainly not on New Year's Eve. And, uh, no, it's just, it's a mess. And Ocean Beach, I mean, you know, you've been here. Ocean Beach You're is... a little rowdy. It's 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 a, it's a it's definitely a party town. It's not PB, but it's still... Yeah, I mean, if you're on Newport, which is the main stretch of bars in Ocean Beach, um, you know, you're going to run into all sorts of asshats and fuckwads on your way home, you know, and... Asswads sometimes, too. Asswads, too. So, uh, I think, what the shit did I do? I think I played Smash Brothers, and then I think we watched Forensic Files, and then I went, then when Bonnie and I went to bed. Bonnie barely made it to the night. Is there something so calming about hearing about horrific murders on Forensic Files? <laughs> I used to fall asleep to that. Finally, I changed to the Star Trek Next Generation. My, uh, Probably not the healthiest my, thing to fall asleep to, like, grisly murder details. No, it's not. My coworker Chris, <laughs> watches it before he goes to bed, and, like, Bonnie and I were watching it for a little bit before we went to bed, and it was just so strange because 
it, I, I learned to, to kind of hate the show because they take these horribly grisly murders, but this was a show that was uh, it was on uh, Crime TV or whatever the... F- it was on, like, Crime TV. It was on for, like, 13 years. Yeah. It was on for a long but, time. But what I'm getting at is it was on a basic cable station. Sure. So they had to... I mean, it's 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 more mild than an episode of SVU. Some are. Yeah. And, and, I mean, well, we watched... I mean, we've watched, like, 30 in the past, like, two weeks. And I know, like, some of them are grisly, but what I don't like is how they they phrase it. They take a lot of the, like... Humanity out of it, yeah. Well, like, it's just it's. But it's I a mean, forensic case. I, so. I know it is, but it's like it. It just I don't know. The, the, they, the, the people in it really don't. It, there's no like I don't know. It, they, it's a lack they, of emotion. They add it back, and usually, usually they go over the victim like, oh, it was a father of three, blah blah. blah. Like the, 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 they will say like this was a person with a family, blah 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 blah. Yeah, but at I, that point, it's about. How do they solve this? You're thinking like a detective. It's like, how are you going to solve this case? And I do like that. I've yeah. always liked detective shows, whether real or fake, because I do get into that. But it's just it's just so cold. And I think the fact that it's based on the, the real cases, that that's what kind of made me feel weird about it. But that's also why it's... I mean, I know plenty of people who have, who have said, oh, I fall asleep to Forensic Files. It's because the narrator drones and the, and yeah, the scientists drone. And I mean... It is something that you'll you'll just turn your head off did to. You know, there was an Ocean Beach case. Did you know that? Uh, doesn't surprise me at all. But no, I did not know that. We can go over right now, real quick, <laughs> no. if you want, or later. <laughs> no. or I'll tell you later. It's yeah. really interesting. Okay, really interesting. And actually, the, the case helped the guy uh, like get off on a lesser charge. Actually, they retried it, so it's huh. very interesting. It was right. like a self-defense case. Anyway. That's a segment in and of itself. That's always a segment. We have much we love forensic <laughs> fun. That's the bonus segment uh, for the Patreon. Yeah. Um, so this happened. This was a buildup about, you know, we we, we talked about, uh, we, we we laughed and joked because we, when we talked about Marvel potentially getting the rights back for Spider Man, that all came from emails that were hacked at Sony's you know headquarters. Yes, Sony was crippled. The the information from uh, late uh, what was it like middle of uh, November towards December, the information came out slowly and surely that. Their entire infrastructure infrastructure was basically destroyed. Yeah. Like computers not even being able to use, servers destroyed. Like we're talking high end hacking. This isn't like a group of like two, three people. This was like sophisticated, like higher, highest end hackers. And that's where all this information got uh, distributed about in, inside deals like that. Idris Elba being considered for next James Bond. Uh, full, full, uh, like the, the Annie movie just came out over Christmas. Full movies that were on their servers. Getting uploaded because they were hacked, and we joked, and it was joked about originally that well, this was North Korea, but it basically came out that most people, reputable, think that North Korea or at least North Koreans working out of China were responsible for for this monumental. This is the biggest sort of cyber crime or cyber warfare ever, ever at least on the U.S. Uh, it's big. It's huge. We're talking like a huge company crippled, like a multi-hundred million dollar, billion dollar company crippled. Um, so it's all about, it turns out, over this, the interview movie, which is this set, satirical comedy with James Franco and Seth Rogen, where their interviewers sent over to, ki- to kill Kim Jong-un, who is the dictator of North Korea, one of the most oppressive regimes, regimes in the world. So apparently this was revenge, and they, they gave threats out, and then they basically threatened by saying, you're going to have a 9-11 style... Uh, you know, attack in movie theaters if you showed this film, right. which was coming out in December. Um, so, uh, the major movie 
the major uh, movie uh, chains, Regal, AMC, well, Lowe's became, I think, AMC. The major ones, Arclight, they basically folded like a cheap suit and said, we don't want to show this. Now, we can get into the reasons why. They don't want to be held responsible for anything that might happen, even though the FBI never said there's no threat of any attack that we know about even be having a chance. So it became a huge you know, uproar. You had, you had uh, celebrities speaking out, you know, George Clooney and everyone, both sides, left and right, saying, what, what are you doing? You can't bow to these sort of literally terror threats over a freaking movie. And so, but the good, new, good news is, was, was that slowly but surely, the smaller theaters actually s- stood up for it and said, you know what, we'll show this movie. We'll actually show it. And they did show it, and they packed a lot of places, and I'm, I'm happy for that, because that's the last thing you want another country telling you what entertainment. We talk about, you know, inside your own country being told what, you want another country telling you what, what you can watch or not, which is totally ridiculous. So, I, My take on it is... Um... It's essentially the same as yours. You you don't want another country. Basically, you you don't want these. You, you don't ever want the thugs or the bullies to win. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand whether it's genuine or not. I understand a fear of something happening in your movie theater. You see, you see Aurora, you know, um, and it's a one off thing. But I understand that you seeing a fear and you wanting not to show it. Um, it's weird talking about this after the fact because they've already kind of done everything. Um, and Sony, Sony didn't pull it. I mean, no. really, Sony didn't cancel it. They said, "Hey, if you guys want to opt out, it's cool." You know, um, well, it's their choice. To yeah, opt out the theaters, they don't and, have to show it. No, but Sony, I mean, basically gave you know their blessing on it too to be like, if you do, you there's do not going to be any bad blood. We're not, you know, there's not. It's it's going to be fine. Um, and you know, it was something interesting that I had kind of read. Um, you know, the, the, these, these, these hackers, these terrorists, they, um, they hacked Sony, they got Sony on their knees, they get Sony to basically essentially cancel the interview, right? Because they don't want people going to see it in theaters. What, what, what they don't realize is that every living room is a theater. Every TV, every, every computer is a theater. You can threaten violence and you can wave your big dick gun around and say that you're going to fucking shoot a bunch of people up. But you're not going to get a person in everyone's home. And they did basically what... I'm, I mean, I'm glad that the small theaters actually had theater showings of it. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, they needed... I was hoping they were going to do it for free to really piss off people. But, I mean, well, they, no. whatever. They need to make the money back. Yeah. And, they're gonna sell, but, but and, they, and they sold that a lot of places. And that's fine. But they put it on VOD, which is what I wanted, because you've, you've essentially ruined everything that the these north korean hackers have have worked for i mean yeah. i mean i mean after all this effort all this work they think they've got this victory and these dumb fucks don't understand video streaming not just that they've now built this sort of cult of of sort of uh this this a reason to go see this movie when people before weren't going to see it. I'm not going to see it anyways. I don't fucking care. I'll, I'll but... check it out at some point. No, <laughs> but, I'll, I'll check it out. I mean, I just, I, I mean, I, it's just, it, it's I, probably not my type of movie. I generally don't dig, you know, a lot of Rogan films, uh, but. No, I don't think they're that funny. Seth Rogen or, or James Franco. Franco's better when he's a serious actor. I really like Pineapple Express. There you go. That was good. That was that was a funny. But anyways, it was a funny send up on marijuana culture, and it was a good action movie. But, but but I'm glad most people agreed. I mean, I saw some idiotic tweets where like, were like, good, it's a stupid movie, or it's like, do you see the freaking point? Or some people, or some people saying, well, what if I did a movie about Obama? I wouldn't give a fucking shit. I wouldn't just, care. Or if I cared, 
I wouldn't threaten to kill him over it. Right. You know what I mean? That's the difference between us and them. You my, know? My biggest problem, and the only thing that made me really sad coming out of this, is a shitty comedy movie getting canceled gets all these people up in arms over rights, freedoms, well, these sorts of things. Yet when things that really matter start going to fucking shit, no one has anything to say. People get all worked well, up you over know why. a fucking Franco Rogan film. Because they because that's affecting what their, their enjoyment yeah, is. Yeah, I know. They're, they're fucking... that's, that's like saying we're, we're going to cancel you know, the NFL game of the week and people would lose their shit. You know what I mean? It's like now you're affecting my... You know, this is how, how yeah, I escape. Like, this is my... This is my... This is, this is my my little inside uh, cubicle life. This is my life where I can escape and, and really live. I, just, I understand it's stupid, but I'm holding back so many peppery, horrible, sarcastic, snidey comments right now. <laughs> well, this is the podcast. I, it is. Let it go. I was just, let saying, just one go. Uh, no. I was just saying, <laughs> oh man, if they canceled a football game, that would be really hilarious. Like I, it would just be the funniest shit in the world. Yeah, but the NFL has like an army themselves. NFL with <laughs> NFL can take down North Korea. <laughs> anyway. I'm not, not going to talk shit about NFL fans today. <laughs> All right, but anyways, yeah. So I but mean, here, it's, it's interesting though for a few reasons. So this was the first major movie they've done in the past. They've done these movies where they released them in maybe 20 theaters, 25, and then released them on video on demand like a week later. Uh, there's actually a, I forget the name. There was a successful one that came out last year, <laughs> which was like the most successful to that point, where it was a simultaneous. <laughs> sort of limited theater run and then it made like 20 million and then it was on video on demand so it was like successful but this is the first this is a this is like a movie that cost tens of millions of dollars this isn't like a small independent this is a major tentpole release film sure. that this happened to so this is the first sort of experiment of putting this at the same time in the theater which did well in theaters per theater putting it on you know purchase on YouTube purchase on iTunes uh, some video on demand and just seeing how it goes this is a test for the future potentially sort of a backwards test to see how this goes for how a simultaneous release can do yeah sure. and i always said that we, what if a th what if a theater uh what if a, you know what if marvel for avengers 3 we'll just say down the line in 2018 what if they said hey we'll let you stream it for you know 24 hours for 40 bucks like a pay-per-view you can have like six seven people come over enjoy the comfort of your home i'd be on board with that yeah are you kidding me i have a decent setup we have yeah. you know we have 50 55 inch tvs we have surround sound you know like we can just do it at our own leisure, not to worry about going out. I'd be down for something like that, and that could be the future. You know, it could be. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, we're. we're I think we're veering away from the point, but that is a good. That is a good idea. If you do a movie launch day, I mean, obviously it worked here by basically charging ticket price to get the movie. You know, what so, they're doing, they're doing like six bucks for the. Video okay, so thing. actually a little bit cheaper. So yeah, I mean, you do the same thing, and or you the, do it like, or the rental. I do like yeah. the idea of the pay-per-view. Like they did in the old days where when you got a pay-per-view, it would just cycle on the same channel yep. for you know, 24 hours. So there is a good good news to come out of this. At least this is the heartwarming so, part of the news. This is this is really like... Warm the cockles of my heart. Guys, this is like a, this is like a mug of spiced cider with whiskey. <laughs> this is so great. So some guy... Jason Best of Cincinnati, Ohio. Went and bought... 650 tickets to... You no, know, he bought 50 tickets at 13 apiece. Oh, $650. Okay, I'm sorry. With the intent of scalping them. for To see the interview. To see the interview. With the express intent. And when it realized that he wasn't going to be able to sell them um, because of these, these alternate methods of distribution, uh, he 
actually tried to return them and they wouldn't return they wouldn't give him a refund yeah and it was because he bought them through which website did he buy them through it could have been movietickets.com i think it was movietickets.com uh movietickets.com specifically states that they do not do refunds no. so so you're not buying it through the theater you're buying it through the website first and foremost yes. two yes. movie theaters will not do refunds oftentimes for special engagement showings. Um, these are usually things like concerts that they do one night only or something like that. But this was technically a special engagement showing. Sure. They were going to do it for one night. And uh, he made no money on it. I mean, he's out $650 because he thought he was going to be, oh. a, you know, he wanted to be a scumbag. Yeah, this is what's, they interviewed him and he just looks like, I guess this is the mindset. Here's the, here's the, this is the conversation we're going to get to and people will be arguing and yelling at us is that it comes down to it's capitalism. Do you want to look in the mirror and see yourself being this person? Yes or no? That's what it comes down to. Do you want to be a person that says that see, saw the opportunity of something to say, "Well, I think people will want to see this. I'm going to fuck them out of money on, on Christmas." That's yeah. basically what this guy tried to do. Yeah, and it failed. Now he's now supposedly he did do like a chargeback on his credit card, get the money back. But this is the reason why, of course, the movie theater can't allow this. Do you imagine if people started doing this en masse and for like when like Avengers comes out, some asshole buys 150 tickets in a theater and tries to charge like 40 bucks each and then tries to get their money back? So everyone will lose. People wouldn't be able to see it or they get screwed. And the theaters will lose out on the money due to return tickets. No theater is going to allow scalping of movie tickets. Yeah. It's insane. Especially when that's that. the express intent. Yeah. I, don't, I, I just hope everyone listening who leaves us those stupid comments in the comment section about it's capitalism when someone's trying to pull a scam. Well, you know what? It's also capitalism when someone decides to say fuck you to this guy and not buy the tickets. Yeah. I hope I hope everyone who runs the scheme gets fucked. Get fucked. <laughs> Get fucked. <laughs> yeah, movie theaters actually have the right to to refund at will. They don't have to. Yeah. They really don't have to. And especially if like, like I said, scalping in movie theaters is no one's gonna allow that. No. It's not legal. You can allow how how you want to sell your product to someone. So it's it's just funny that he it, when they interviewed him, he was like, "Well, you know, I knew people were going to see it, so I figured I can make money on this." Here's here's my problem with whether it's this or amiibos. You talk about one thing with uh, with retro games that people quote unquote putting them in people's hands. When it's a new product, a reseller or scalper is not providing. Any value, additional value at all, no service for his, or service for it, raising the price artificially. You are not enabling it to get into someone's home easier. You're not making it more widely available. You're not fucking, you know, putting a, a spit shine on it. You are just taking something out of the market, artificially inflating it, and putting it back. A few, That's the biggest problem with something like that. A few uh, podcasts ago, I got into it with someone on the uh, in the comments section. Um, and uh, they basically refused to see the difference between something like a new product, like a GameCube uh, adapter, and uh, something like a rare game. Basically accusing you know uh, places like Luna Video Games of doing the exact same thing that we're talking about. And it's not. And it's because... The I mean, why do we even have to fucking I know. explain this? I mass, no, pr- mass produced I, I, I wanted to get up and fucking smash my face on the, the shelf just now. <laughs> why do I have to explain this to someone? Why can you not see the difference? Do you have too much fucking fat in your eyes? Um, pieces of shit. It's it's a different product. It's not on the market anymore. Anyone can go into a store and buy a product, provided that you stupid fucks don't buy them all and charge three times the amount. It's capitalism! Eat my fucking cock! Um, 
you know, it's it's different. There aren't Super Nintendo games on the market anymore. There aren't NES games on the market anymore. You can't walk into a store and buy them. No one is getting screwed. That's the natural appreciation of price, not the artificial appreciation. You know, uh, appreciation of price. Sure. So I mean, yeah, it's the same thing. Sorry, I had to get go off on that. It's the same thing you said about the amiibos, though. Yeah, you're not adding any value. This person isn't fucking delivering it to your door with a blowjob. <laughs> they're not going down on you. They're not eating you out. It's it's. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, nothing is happening here that you couldn't get by getting in your car and just going to Toys R Us and paying thirteen dollars. Thank you, Ian. And that is a difference between a scalper or reseller of a new product versus old stuff that's out of stock. All right. So, this guy is a piece of trash. What's his name again? Merry Christmas. (laughs) Happy New Year. All right. So, speaking of Merry Christmases, this is like the the fourth time this has happened? Well, the past couple years? uh, Yeah, but, okay, so, anyone who got a PS4 or an Xbox One on Christmas Day had an unfortunate... Surprise, uh, sadly. And I knew a lot of friends who got PS4s for Christmas, wanted to play with them and stuff like that. Uh, I personally wanted to play games with them. Obviously, they wanted to play the, the systems. Um, so, uh, fucking, I don't even want to dignify them by getting their name right. It's like Lizard Army or something. It's a bunch of fucking script kiddies basically attacked uh, the Sony servers and the Microsoft servers with uh, DDoS attacks, Okay. Um, DDoS attacks basically clog everything up and they, they, they make sites, networks inaccessible. Um, the first thing I'd like to request is that uh, news outlets stop calling this a hack because it's not. It's downloading a program, inserting some information, Running. and hitting go while you go sit in your living room and eat yeah. your fucking Cheetos. The only reason DDoS has worked because it's tons of people doing it. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's a concerted effort, and that's about it. It's 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 absolutely inelegant. I mean, there's there's no. There's there's no panache or style to this no. at all. It doesn't take it's any not, skill. It's not like the movie's hackers where they're going in a virtual reality tunnel. Yeah, you know, it's someone like you said downloading a script and running it. Yeah, that, that's all it is. I mean, it, it, it's it's and this is really throwing it back. Do uh, you remember downloading AO Hell? Yes, yeah. I do remember AO Hell. And oh AO, my god, and AO Bomber and shit like yes. that. Yeah. Um, that's that's what you're doing in a modern day sense. AO hell, oh my god! That's you, what, what, what what AO hell used to do? You used to like be able to I, it would it would, it would flood email. chat rooms and it would kick oh. people back when IMs used to get weird when you would flood them and I mean it would it would it would you know fill mailboxes and I mean basically the same thing. All you're doing is being an annoying little pissant. So. Um, <coughs> So they took down these two networks. They took down these two networks. Now, Microsoft somehow managed to uh, get it uh, back together in 24 hours. Sony was down for much longer. Um, the thing about this was is when uh, the BBC contacted uh, uh, Lizard Grum Drums or whatever the fuck they are. They're going to attack us, Ian. I don't fucking care. Come at me. <laughs> uh, Come at me, bro. <laughs> I will headbutt you in your fucking teeth. Um, fire. So full of fire. So fiery. Um, they they said they were doing it for the lulls, you know, which is the stupid internet thing. We're doing it because we can, because we think it's funny. Uh, and then Anonymous, a, a large portion of Anonymous, got very pissed at them for doing this. Lots of people got pissed because... Uh, there wasn't any reason to rhyme behind it. Well, there's no rhyme or reason behind it. And whether you're a bad person or a good person, uh, you can still enjoy video games. So you're pissing off... Everyone, you're pissing off people you don't want to piss off. So then they tried to double back and say that 
you know, it was about th- these ethics. It's always about ethics these fucking days. No, it's not. It's not about fucking ethics. It's about you being a fucking loser in your basement. And uh, they wanted to, um, you know, they, they tried to spin this story to justify it. So, so anonymous people, wouldn't come after them? So people weren't more mad at them. Uh-huh. And, and, then, and then they, you know, Sony fixed it. And it's just, it's... It's, so it's a shame, though, because they ruin people's, like... And plus, the kid, little nine-year-old gets it. They can't even play a single-player game. They gotta, you know, probably load up the updates. You know what I mean? Well, like, it's a shit like thing, that, like, too. It, the, the, when it was really bad, like, there was a lot of... And it, it kind of pissed <clears> me off. Um, but I'm sure it's the same thing for Xbox One as well. Uh, a lot of games, I couldn't... Um, like, I was trying to play Pinball Arcade... <laughs> you couldn't play and, that. And it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't, it, it kept locking up on the verifying data screen. And it's like, dude, I just want to play some fucking single player pinball <laughs> on my goddamn PS4. You ruin Ian's pinball Christmas. You hear that, lizard asses? <laughs> lizard. Holy shit. But fuck. So, um, how do they, I mean, so how do you, I mean, so Microsoft obviously is a software company first, so right. they're they more prepared. Obviously, Sony wasn't prepared to get hacked. They're, 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 if the freaking movie company with servers containing screenplays, by the way, like, screenplays and full movies getting hijacked on the servers obviously they weren't prepared for getting attacked for you know video games I don't know why it took them longer if I had to guess it's simply because they're reeling from something that already happened because it's because that's the other thing about DDoS is they don't expose um problems they they don't expose they really don't expose any sort of problem with a website. They don't expose any holes in in the armor. They are simply a blunt force object that causes everything to stop. Sure. So, so I mean, maybe Sony just didn't know how to handle it. But like I said, it, it's it's it it doesn't mean that Sony's server was more flawed than Microsoft's because that's not what it's actually doing. That's not what it's trying to find. This isn't some white hat hacker trying to. You know, uh, you know, find the holes in your security so you can go and patch them up. Yeah, I, lo- I love that happens too. It's like, oh, I just hacked your site now. Give me money. I'm just showing you how I made it. You know, some people are wondering why this didn't happen to Nintendo. I don't know. Maybe Reggie Fizume would have came over and bashed some skulls in. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea why. Maybe Nintendo's just raised enough goodwill this year that they were like, oh, they, eh, fuck it. The, the lizard men didn't didn't want yeah, to attack the, Nintendo. Yeah, the lizard men were like, it's fine. <laughs> They're like, you know what, Nintendo? I finally bought one of your consoles two years in. <laughs> you know. <laughs> There's finally some decent games for it. You got that, that Squid game coming out. It looks interesting. <laughs> the Squid Ink game. We're enjoying this. We're going to let you have this Christmas. So, so uh, Sony compensated uh, PlayStation Network users. Not yet, time. but they... They're going so, to. So, yeah, so basically, um, the five days that you lost, you'll get back, which... It, I mean, nice gesture. I mean, really, an extended five days on a month-to-month contract. It's, very, like, it's kind of weird, but mm-hmm. it, that's nice. And then, supposedly... I don't know if it's all... That, so that's for plus users. And then, I don't know if it's for all users or if it's just for plus users, but they're doing, uh, supposedly, you know, you'll see, like, a 10% discount off, like, your entire, like, uh, cart purchase, which is nice, because it's not 10% off one purchase. You can load your cart up with $100 worth of stuff that you've been meaning to get and save 10 So, I mean, that's that's all right. It's, it's, so, the, so Christmas was saved a little bit. A little bit. A little <laughs> all right. Bit. A little bit by Santa. Yay, Santa. So this is something I want to touch upon real quick because I saw this throughout the year go back and forth and I've seen this. Basically, you watch any sort of major video game company, they're going to get sued over technology. It always happens. Sure. Uh, But Nintendo got sued over the Wiimote. Their Wii remote, you know, which they still use on the Wii U. It's still technology. It goes back to the power glove, basically, you know, where you move the remote and the cursor or people on screen respond to it, you know, in all three dimensions. Right. Um, so they were sued in 2011 by a company called Ultimate Pointer, 
And they sued not only Nintendo, but all the major retailers like GameStop, Best Buy, Target, alleging that the Wii Remote infringes patents on pointing devices, and that retailers were infringing them by selling Nintendo's products. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, Make that money. So Nintendo announced that it was dismissed. It won't even go to trial. Thank God. Um, so this is all I want to say about this, is that they didn't come out and say this Nintendo, but they almost basically said this was almost just a case of patent trolling. Yeah. So patent trolls, if you don't know, um, they're usually companies, usually a lot of them are in Texas, because for some reason in Texas, the, the laws are loose enough to allow them to operate. Where oh, really? Companies allow, um, there's some companies that exist, believe it or not, they just go around and buy patents. Yeah. This is their entire business. They don't create anything. They don't put out products. They buy the rights to patents. Just so they can search out other products that exist, or in development and go after them for money for a piece. There are companies that exist wholesale off of doing this. The problem with this is that it, not only is it fucking awful, it impedes uh, any sort of entrepreneurship or, or terms of making a product because you always got to have a freaking eyes in the back of your head thinking that, oh, I might be uh, doing something that probably even falsely this huge company will come after me for and I can't afford to lawyer up and fight them. I'm going to have to pay them off and give them a percentage. Okay. Capitalism. Well, here's the thing. It is and isn't because you can fight these. Yeah. And this is the problem, though, is that a lot of these smaller companies can't fight them. But this is a case of you go after Nintendo, mm -hmm. Nintendo has the manpower to do it. But I want to bring this up because this affects us because there is currently patent trolls going after Adam Carolla. Adam Carolla has been doing one of the he had one of the first uh, sort of celebrity podcasts, yes. and patent trolls took it upon themselves to go after him. Right. Saying that, it was like a 1996 patent about a guy who used to put up, like, uh, audiobooks on his website. And because of that, every podcast that appears online is using that same technology. So, therefore, they want a cut of Adam Carolla. The problem is, if they won that, they can get a cut of every other podcast that's out there and us, and then we'd be infringing on a patent. Obviously, it's absolutely bullshit. Shit. The problem is, he didn't have the funds to fight it. But, thankfully, everyone with a podcast, whether it's nerds, everyone rallied and... Rogan, he has now has millions of dollars to fight this. Because then if he fights it off even once, no one else doing a podcast has to ever worry about it as long as he fights it off the first time. Right. So patent trolling is fucking terrible. And I know uh, I know in Congress it sometimes comes up, comes up to try to cut, uh, you know, come down it. It's just, it doesn't, it's, 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 again, it's no added value. They don't do anything. They buy patents and try to go after well, companies. One of the most famous ones uh, years ago that was uh, also video game related was uh, Edge, the Edge patent trolling. And uh, I don't know, I don't remember the guy's name. He's, you think you know me? Uh, it's 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 <laughs> it's not worth remembering his name. Um, but if you look it up, it's interesting. Type of Edge magazine patent trolling or Edge patent trolling. And there was a guy who's he he. He released like one or two no-name games and had like a, a a game company called like Edge Games or something. And he was one of those guys who then went out and like uh, sued Edge Magazine, sued a game that was called Edge, and, and said all this stuff. And it's like that's well, that's that sounds more, more like copyright trolling. Okay, maybe maybe that's what it or, is. Or trademark. Yeah, I'm sorry, trolling. yeah, that that's what it is. But I mean, same sort of deal where you know they 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 get a piece of this one thing so that they can then go after. Anyone and everyone, and try to make all this this money off of it, and it's just it's stupid. And I mean, to read these articles because there are interviews with the people who do this, and I mean to listen to them. 
That's just another day talk. in the office. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean to, to, to see the diarrhea fall out of their mouth with a straight face. Well, we have a right to do this because it's like, but the, but the problem is most of the time you really don't. It's just that no one has the money to fight you off. That's yeah. the problem. You're a huge corporation throwing money. Like if someone came after me and you for technology, of course we would try to just settle it because I don't. We go broke trying to fight it. That's yeah. the problem. It's not. You know, it's there's it isn't level playing field. So hopefully Corolla fights it off, and then everyone can go back to being peaceful. Yes, that technology, that, 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 that microphone. Was never, yes, that, that, that technology was, that was never used ever. Yeah, you know. not once. <laughs> All righty, what's next on this fucking Sunday night special primetime well, podcast? Since I've been playing a lot of it, I, I kind of want to talk about it. I think it's it's interesting. It does touch back a little to some of the topics that we've been... We've, we've talked about this in the past. Um there was a recent interview uh, with uh, the with Sakura, the Smash Brothers creator, um, and there was some interesting tidbits um, regarding uh, his feelings on competitive uh, play versus versus uh, casual play. Um, and it's it's funny for me because really with this new Smash Brothers, the more I play it, uh, the more I find nuance in it that I like. And while I generally do play with items on. I will play a couple no items matches a night. Just I, to do it. Just to do it. I do like playing on um, flatter or simpler levels now, as opposed to in the past where I liked the the more complex ones. Um, so what I'm getting at is, whereas I used to side more with casual. Uh, and I still kind of do. I do get that there is fun in competitive play. Of course. Um, and I really do see that more now than I ever did. I mean, that's just me admitting that. Hey, I was wrong. You guys are right. This is kind of this is kind of fun uh, because it's not about move input. It's not about you know crazy inputs or anything. It's about pulling off the right move at the right time. But it's, it's funny though, because in the interview he says a lot of stuff that I got crucified for saying myself. Where it's like, if you're going to pick a game to be competitive fighting game, why are you picking Smash? Well, Brothers? and and this is that's always been my stance on it too. And uh, Sakurai has always said um, he doesn't. It's not that he's he he's anti-competitive Smash play. He just doesn't get it because it's not it's not how he intended the game to be played, and he he found it weird that people found that game within the game. Sure. Um, and it's interesting because he's yes he says what I say too. You know, um, he like he likes competitive fighting games, but sure. go pick one that was actually built from the ground up to be a competitive fighting game. And what he said he's what what, what concerns him is it, it's his analogy of the mountaintop basically. Um. Is if you play something hyper competitive and you only play competitive, you tend to put more uh, thought into your wins or your losses, mm-hmm. which diminishes for a lot of people the enjoyment. The enjoyment because if you're sitting around with a group of friends and you suddenly insist that we're all playing competitive, you're going to lose a lot of players pretty quickly because um, one person will be dominant more often than not to such an extent that if you're lo- eliminating all randomness. Uh, or, then you can go win 30 games in a row. Right. And it's been a long time since I've sat down and played a Smash Brothers at the length that I have this one. But, you know, even with items on, when I play online, the good person in the group is the person who wins most of the time. But not all. But not all. But, I mean, you do still see a, a, a pretty stratified level the same of, for skill, Mario Kart. Uh, of skill. If you're the yeah. best Mario Kart player, you're not going to win every race still. You're no. not. You might win most, but you're not going to win all of them. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. So I, I, I like what he's saying. You know, he wanted the game to be 
friendly for everyone. You know, it sounded like he's loosened up a little on the competitive idea, but he's also like, because they also go into, they ask him about balance tweaks and stuff like that. And he's like, you know, if it, if something really big comes out, he's like, there is the means for us to patch sure. this. Um, but he says, you know, with the game, the way in our minds it's intended to be play, minor balance issues don't really matter because other things balance them out, such as level position, mm-hmm. um, items, other strategies that you sure. might have for certain things, that it's not just all in characters' well, moves. He, he, one interesting quote was, it was probably mistranslated or not translated extremely well. It's he horribly said, mistranslated. If you play Smash Brothers as, as a competitive game, the game itself has no future. I think what he meant was, if, if this was what our audience was, if we geared this game towards competitive audience, we wouldn't have a franchise because no one would buy it enough to support it. Nintendo is a company that can't afford for even one game in their huge franchise to not do well. So if Smash Brothers started out as uh, Street Fighter, you know, Alpha 3, it wouldn't got past the first game. They wouldn't have sold enough or appealed to that audience enough to actually get it to the point where it even got to Melee. Um, That's actually a really good and probably more obvious translation of it, because it's all super context-heavy. That is a really weird line. The way I looked at it was, when he said there was no future for it, uh, basically, I figured he meant you're going to lose a lot of players. Yeah, uh, because he went you're on. You're not going to gonna sell any because he, he went on to the mountain thing. Eventually, yeah. you're going to get to the people who plateau at a certain skill level, and because of the competitive nature of it, they're not going to have fun anymore. Let's, so, th- so I think that's kind of what he meant by the game ceasing to exist. Like people, it's not going to be on people's radars if anymore. You, if you built the game and just said, "Okay, this is going to be we're going to do what the, the next if the next Smash Brothers game came out and had uh, no interesting levels of platforming, no items, would you buy it? No, I probably wouldn't. I mean, I, how many people would drop out? Fifty percent, seventy-five percent. See, the thing is, is okay. Yes. See, but the reason I say no, the mechanics aren't. We've discussed this before too. The mechanics aren't really built for it. Like I said, and I'm saying it again because it doesn't matter. People jumped on my throat. I enjoy what people consider competitive Smash to a degree. I do now. I still prefer it with it. I still love it with items and stuff like that. Um, the problem is, one of the biggest problems competitively is the the game is meant to be played with multiple people, uh, with you being able or, or with you being able to turn around, move, jump, grab stuff. The game is intended to handle like a platformer. Um, when you play one on one, see, I actually kind of like I like I said, I like no items. Mm-hmm. I'm not huge on one on one, and the reason is is because the controls just aren't really made for that. I mean, the, it just... You can, it's made for platform. Yeah, you can, it's t- like, you, it, you it can play, tell me a million times over that, the, you know, that you know uh, this is how it's meant to the be The game feels like Super Mario 3. That's how it flows and controls when you're running and stopping and jumping. <laughs> I don't know exactly about that. But, but, but I'm saying, you yeah, skip... That's, what it, that's yeah, how it's designed. When you, press, when you press back, you don't block. You turn around and run in the opposite direction. Yes. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it just... It doesn't feel like it's built for that. They would have to change the game drastically I think for for it to at least for me to like you said if they released a new Smash Brothers no items no strange levels then I would have to for me to buy it I would have to see it rebuilt from the ground up like a fucking then it would game. be a totally different and it would be a completely different game that's my point make it make it and that was his point probably make it a totally competitive game great we'll sell ten percent of the copies right and you won't have a franchise anymore there you go yeah so it, it was an interesting interview and go ahead and attack me I don't fucking care. So we skipped a lot of topics, it looks like. So, 
this was interesting to me. This is a collecting, collecting. Oh, by the way, we forgot to say that 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 guy with the uh, trying to scalp the interview tickets was a scumbag seller of the week. We haven't done that in a while. Yeah, but he I, was the scumbag bag bag seller seller of the week. week, week. I figured that was fairly. Obvious. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. I'll have to edit that one in. So, this was confirmed, paid for, uh, via my favorite gaming forum website, NintendoH.com. An NWC Gold, NWC Nintendo World Championship 1990 Gold Cart, uh, sold and was paid for, uh, for 26.6K. That's over almost $27,000. On New Year's Eve, it went too. I'll talk about that in a second. At the same time, also, I believe it was the same seller, a gray, not the best condition, top flap label torn off. So that makes it the third worst NWC gray after the infamous Mario Kart that has yeah. ripped off and there's another one that ripped off. It sold for 8.8K, a heavily damaged one. That's insane. So this is important, not just the gray, the grays sell every year. There hasn't been a gold sold on eBay in an auction I think like five years. It's been like 2010 about. I think it was the JJ Games cotton which sold for like 18 or so. Something like that. So what's interesting is that it was paid for is that the price jumped up that much percent. That's like 30%. And it was on New Year's Eve, and I didn't even find out about it until like two days ago. To, to go, What if it was not during? I don't like to speculate since I own one, but what if it was during, like, I don't know, June or July, nothing going on, and more people knew about it? Maybe it would have went for more? I don't know. You know yeah, that is, that is weird that, I mean... I would not have sold it to, to go off at New Year's Eve. Out of all the days of the year, no, I, mean, I would have said wait not for a lot of people. Wait for about... a random February day. You know what I mean? But then again, you know, maybe the people who saw the auction going on were like, okay, maybe this is my chance to get in for a little bit cheaper because it's New Year's Eve and people are going to be out. Now I know people set their snipes, but I'm talking about that rich eccentric person or oil chic or some some young guy with money that has is a millionaire that might see it and then you know what I'll put 50,000 down or something yeah. just, and it just explode the price. Oh yeah, you know? no, it definitely could have gone for more. I I I I I guess I'm just surprised at the fact that this just keeps going up and up and up. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a limited uh, amount obviously. Um I'm not surprised at the 26.6. Um, I'm not I, really surprised at that. I'm more surprised at the the damaged gray going for what it did. Yeah, well the last couple uh, Grays went for <clears throat> sixteen, and that's, and that's only because one sold that was one was Howard Phillips' copy, along with all this documentation from the Nintendo World Championships. And then an opportunist sold their copy immediately after with the fervor and, and got almost the same price for theirs. So they probably capitalized on those people that came in second or third place. So <clears throat> I wouldn't count that as the set price uh, for the gray, but yes, this is a damaged copy that went for uh, almost nine thousand dollars. That's significant to me because it's a damaged one, right? You know. And these were real. These weren't shill bids. Like, like I said, uh, it was confirmed that it was paid for the gold. Great. If, if the gold was paid for, the gray was paid for. Yeah, but so. I mean, problematically, I mean, people do see things like those sixteen k. They don't. Someone doesn't understand why it got that price. Maybe with the Phillips one, that guy got the his. You know, in the hype afterwards, and that's the sort of shit that unfortunately does jump game prices up. Oh, it is hype. And 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 and, and it it they often don't come down from there because people then expect that that's what they're to get. So if they're not going to get it, they don't sell it. Yes, it really depends. Uh, well, well, the gray, there's, there's. Uh, I'd say, it's hard, it's hard to know how many grays are out there. I like to estimate that there's probably 50. Uh, that might be high, but I'm thinking there's around 50 grays. Um, so there's about 13 golds. Uh, if there's 13 or golds, obviously you know the amount. And then if you, unless you wait once every five, six years from the come online, you have to do a private sale. And contact someone, and they're not going to let it go for cheap, right? Usually, 
Um, so that's that's all my thoughts on it. I don't even like talking about it because I feel even slightly squeamish talking about. Uh, I don't like. I don't at least I don't like to talk about where the price could go because I own them. And I feel it's a little unethical. I don't uh, like but, to talk about because it, it bores the piss out of me. But I mean, whatever. It's fine. it's truly, uh, uh, truly, truly outrageous. <laughs> okay, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about. I want to talk about the term fanboy. I guess thrown around, especially more so than not, gets thrown around. Well, we talk about people that like Star Wars or people that like Marvel versus DC or people who like. You know, certain video game companies like Nintendo versus Sony versus Microsoft. Namco. Yes, and Namco for the one person on the planet that's a Namco fanboy. Me. Um, but, but it was thrown at me a little bit uh, recently um, during... I just came out with this great, great Christmas episode that was five days late. Mm. Um, six days late. A very Sega Christmas where I talked about Alex Kid and Miracle World for the Sega Master System. And because I did not give it a glowing review of a game... Uh, a lot of people said I was a Nintendo fanboy. Never mind the fact that I owned a Sega Master System as a kid right. and played pretty extensively Alex Kidd and Miracle World as a kid. I only had two games for the Master System, so I ended up playing that freaking game a decent amount. Never beat it, but I got a good, good, good chunk into it. Are, so, you, are you trying to say it didn't age well? No, it didn't. <laughs> it, it, no, it never aged. It wasn't fun when I was a kid. It wasn't fun when I was a kid. But that's the point, though, is that I think the ter- the term fanboy gets thrown around now willy nilly so much just because you have a different opinion with someone. Where I think it, it's almost like a slur that gets so overused it has no meaning anymore. You know what I mean? It's is almost, this is this your hipster rant? It could be. That was I thought you were the hipster do- doing the rant. No, no. When I ranted on the word hipster, this is this is this, this is, is all. Oh, this, this is my is, version. Yeah, this is your no, I'm not going to rant. rant. I just want to get your comments on it. Where people, it's almost like people. It's so much simpler for them in their minds to not try to think someone has a differing opinion or, or try to come up with a logical reasoning that they'll just throw, yeah, you're a fanboy. You're, you know, you're a Microsoft fanboy since you don't like you know, the Xbox One. When, well, you, when, you, when you can have a legitimate reason. I don't know. I don't think it's 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 a new dismissal or put down. I mean... Is it getting used more, though? I don't think so. Um, it annoys me. I mean... Hipster and fanboy, when you call me a fanboy, when you call me a hipster, all you're telling me is that you have no brain power and you cannot construct even a marginally interesting insult, you know, <laughs> um, and, and, and you certainly can't, you know, form a, a concrete uh, argument or opinion or have any discourse. It's just, it's a cop-out. So something you drop and you walk away. Um, fanboy to me... I don't know. I mean, I, I self-identify as a fanboy of a certain things. I've, I've never really... That's my problem with it. I've never really looked at it as, as a, a, a negative. Yeah, I am a fan of certain things. Your, your connotation is, I like this stuff, not as I'm a diehard, blind right. fan. I seem to remember it actually... I feel like it got thrown around more. And this was when I was like heavy into message boards and stuff like that. So I, I, I was... I was more involved with the internet, but during like the PlayStation and the N64 era, uh, that was, that stuff was, was big online and, 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 you know, at Nintendo fanboys, PlayStation, Sony fanboys, you know, that was, those were, those, those were, those were solid sides. I mean, lines were drawn, shots were fired, um, <laughs> but many lives were lost. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's, it's when you fanboys, one of those things, when, you think you hold a superior opinion to someone else, and you also think that that person's um, favored system, let's just say 
let's just say Wii U is doing poorly compared to something else. Fanboy is 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 used as a way to say uh, you're obviously not thinking clearly. Your your judgment is clouded, and I'm not going to listen to you. Sure. Um, when in reality, you're just not engaging their argument or trying to listen to what they're they're, they're saying. Sure. Alf Kid is not a fun game. <sighs> okay. I don't I don't hate it. I don't say I hate it. It's not a fun game. Um. You, you want to talk about the recent Sam Raimi comments? So, I mean, this will probably just be something we touch on kind of briefly, but uh don't know a lot about Sam Raimi. I've always kind of imagined him to be a likable guy. Very likable. From Michigan, big Spider-Man fan, um, did the Evil Dead trilogy. But yeah, I mean, that's how I know him. I, I love the Evil Dead big trilogy. Yeah. Um, the the original Evil Dead trilogy was fantastic, and uh, the first Spider-Man film and even the second Spider-Man film that he directed were second one's excellent. Were yeah. pretty good adapt. I mean, the, you know, they took liberties, but they were they were fun movies. Um, the third one, which I did not see, uh, but you never saw it. But everyone's told me about it. I mean, they they just cram so much shit into it. You have it, no frame of reference for this conversation. Whatever. You're like a child that wanders into a room. <laughs> Shut up. Um, but, you know, they, they just crammed so much shit into it that they weren't able to finish telling a story. And as Sam Raimi says in this uh, interview, you know, they they really went to, for a summer blockbuster with Spider-Man 2. And they suddenly felt like they had to raise the bar. Well, the, well, the thing with Spider-Man 2 that was interesting, if you watch it, I remember a lot of reviewers saying this, that was like an art house film disguised as well, a superhero yeah. movie. There was a big chunk where... Spider-Man is not in it for like 40 minutes. Yeah. He's not in the movie. You know what I mean? So, and there's like a lot of poignant, like emotional scenes. And the, my problem with the original trilogy and even uh, the Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 is that they were, they were romance films first and then superhero second, which I don't like. That's all our conversation. Um, but what's interesting about this is that, well, Raimi said this on Chris Hardwick's Nerdist podcast. Yeah, the main a lot, point. A lot, of, a lot of time, a lot, a lot of times, directors don't even address their past films, or guys like Spielberg don't talk about them, don't do directors' commentaries even. But he comes out and basically says, "I didn't like it. I don't think it came out well." Yeah. And this is the problem. This goes back to Sony and Marvel. Sony pressured him to put Venom to shoehorn him, which he was fucking shoehorned into Spider-Man 3. Yeah. When I first heard that Venom was going to be in Spider-Man 3, I said, well, oh, well, they're shooting 3 and 4 back to back. They have to. Yeah. They can't put Venom, they can't start the black suit, end it, Venom, all in one movie. I said, that's impossible. You know? And But they did it. And it was terrible. Originally, Raimi wanted to do... The story was supposed to be that Sandman breaks out of prison with the Vulture. And he fights the Vulture and Sandman. Because Raimi's an old school Spider-Man fan. And yeah. Vulture's one of the original villains. And that sounds, oh, that's a cool idea. Then that's the backstory. No connection. I'm not sure if he still would have done the bullshit Uncle Ben thing, which pissed me off how Sandman was, he turned Sandman into the killer of Uncle Ben. That really fucking annoyed me. That that showed me, you say Sandman was a fan of Spider-Man, Spider but he does that bullshit. Whatever. So, the point is that Spider-Man 3 is not a horrible film. It's just very, very mediocre. It could have been, when I came out of the theater, I was like, wow, I feel just like nothing. That could have been way better. Could have been worse, but it could have been way better. And that's a, not just because Spider-Man 2 was excellent, just because there was nothing that really paid off for Spider-Man 3. That one, um, that's one of those movies that that gets Vonnie all all up in a, in a rage. Annoyed like me? She, it's yeah. really, no, like, as soon as someone, like, starts talking about Spider-Man 3, she goes, that movie doesn't exist, we don't talk about it. And it's not And that, that's, that's literally all I've ever heard her say. And it's it. not because Peter Parker danced on the street. That's the least fucking concern of that film. 
yeah. Spider-Man Three. That's actually her favorite part of that. I was going to say I didn't. Mind, I didn't mind Peter Parker yeah, yeah. acting like a dork, thinking that was cool. That actually worked for the character, right? It yeah. was everything else. It was the fact that he gets the black suit and never really uses it that much. You know, he never uses his potential. It, it wasn't this slow sort of boil. Again, if it was two movies, he gets the black suit in the middle of the third movie, right at the end, and then all through the fourth one, he would have it take control. And then turn into an asshole or whatever else. That didn't happen here. It was the fact that you had a Sandman Venom team up happen within literally something that they wrote a scene. Well, we need, we need to figure out a way to get Venom and Sandman to team up. I know. We'll have them meet randomly on the street, talk for 10 seconds about why we should team up, and there's your team up. Yeah. It was literally that fucking lame. Yeah, that's know. garbage. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's rare to hear a director come it's out rare and, to hear. and admit that and, he really didn't like it. I mean, when I think of stuff like that <laughs> happening... Uh, Fincher, I guess, Alien Three. Oh yeah, is, well, that is, was but but notorious. but but it, it, with Fincher, it's not even so much he'll come out and say he hates it. Uh, it's basically like if you bring that up to Fincher, he's going to punch you in the throat and walk <laughs> away. I mean, he hates that movie. Yeah, that's a, I still have to see the director's cut for that. Oh, excuse, they've been saying the DVD cover; it's not a director's cut. They've been saying, yeah, yeah, I know, because I Fincher know. doesn't want any involvement, but it's like a half hour longer and entirely it, different. Yeah, it's. You know. <laughs> but what's interesting about this is that if people forget that. They wanted to fast track a Spider-Man Four with mm-hmm. the original cast right after this, and put and he wanted to do the Vulture, but then when it came to the fact that like Sony wanted to do the Vultress, and it was supposed to be Anne Hathaway supposedly as the Vultress, and that's when Raimi said enough, I am fucking done. <laughs> yeah. He basically said that he probably could have got, and even Raimi and Raimi and everyone else walked. Yeah, because a fourth film might have redeemed it somewhat, but not with the direction that they were going with the producers. Uh, Abby Red wanted to put in Venom. And then at that point, they just wanted toys. Yeah. They don't realize that you, if you make a good superhero film, you're going to sell a fuckload of toys anyway. Yeah. It, it, putting in more characters isn't necessarily going to sell you more toys. Right. That's going to be the least of your concern. The least, you can make a good movie so that people see it and see it multiple times. When they made Guardians of the Galaxy recently, they didn't throw in extra characters just so they can sell more toys. Obviously, there were characters there. They said, let's make a good movie and make right. sure we get a sequel. Not kill the franchise and have to reboot it. Mm-hmm. And then... Have to kill again. We'll see. On the talk about movies, um, for 2014, movie ticket sales were down 6%, and that's with the increase of freaking $18 3D tickets that they force you to get because they don't show it in a freaking 2D theater anymore. Is that really the case, though? I mean, I went to more movies this year than I think I, I have in... I didn't. ...in many, many recent years, and I... That's just you, though. Uh, no, I know, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not talking about the ticket prices going down. I'm talking about the... 3D. I don't feel like 3D movies are being forced down our throat anymore. It's not, but it, when the more 3D theaters they put a movie in, obviously there's less 2D options. When I recently, uh, when I when I just saw what the hell I just saw, I just saw The Hobbit. It was in one theater. They had a real 3D, whatever, an IMAX 3D, and they had the regular 2D. So it's like your options for 2D huh. are more and more limited, and it's like 50% more price. So I had to see it in 3D, or else I have to wait like four hours. You know. But here's the point. That the, while the ticket sales are down six percent, that accounts for the fact that there's so many more 3D tickets being sold. But the lowest number of attendees since uh, attendance since '95. It's crazy. That is crazy. Um, but it's easy to say why. Not just the fact that there's so many different movies that are recycled or a lot more sequels. There's just so many more options nowadays. Well, for entertainment in general. In, but not just that for movies. Well, oh you, sure, you know Amazon Prime and Netflix. Well, that was going to be, and the biggest one is like Captain America: Winter Soldier came out. And, what was that came out late, late April? I thought it was. 
February, earlier, but whatever. It's April. Sure. Early April, whatever. You could get it on DVD by early July. Yeah. While it's some while it's in some theaters still. So in the in the 90s, hey, boys and girls, listen to this. Before the days of, even up to the first five years of DVDs, you'd have to wait like a year. A year about to get to see Turner and Hooch on VHS. Yeah. You know? You couldn't. You didn't have that. Like you had to go to the theater. Tango and Cash. You had. You no. You had to. I saw Tango and Cash <laughs> in the theater. Right? You didn't care about violence. See a little bit of sex. No, but violence. Hooray! So you had to go to the theater to see Lethal Weapon two as a nine year old and see a head getting slammed in a in a car door. You had to see that. You couldn't wait. You couldn't wait a year. That's the difference. Now you it doesn't matter. Well, I also feel like people are with the price increase. People are pickier and choosier. When you can sit in your home. <laughs> And have access to a library of movies. And people can bitch about Netflix taking away movies and, and slimming it. But the fact of the matter is, the amount of content... It's insane! The amount of content that we have at our fingertips is nuts. There's no way you've seen it all. So many movies that you didn't get out to go see or that slipped through the cracks are just sitting there waiting for you to see. And you're already paying for it on a monthly basis. So a lot of people opt to just sit in because it's cheaper. The And, and you know, my thing is, is this. If... And I think it might be for a lot of people. And I think it's why I saw a lot of movies this year. Um, there are movies that you just want to see on a big screen. Oh, yeah. Like a really big screen. Like Godzilla, um, Captain America, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, to a lesser extent... The Hobbit movies make more sense to see in the theater for the, the big battle scenes, whether or not you like them. To a lesser extent, something like X-Men. X-Men was actually just a really good character movie. Uh, Days of Future Past was more of a character movie. Yes. But you know, generally, superhero movies and action movies you might want to go see on a big screen. But... You know these person. You know the the dramas and the romance movies mm-hmm. and the romantic comedies don't gain anything by being on a big screen. So if you can just watch all that stuff at home for free and wait, like you said, the two months for it to get put up on Netflix or come out on DVD, or even like you like all the effects channels. Yeah, Frank's like, oh yeah, I see Winter Soldiers on there now. So that's like seven months after the theater. Effect. It's on a cable network. That's insane. As kids, we never had that. No, I remember it was a big deal when uh, Jurassic Park got put on uh, network television like yeah. a year and a half after the movie came out. It was like a huge now deal. Now that's common. Because that... they're like, we, like, I'm like, holy shit, I don't have to wait five years to maybe yeah. catch this on network TV. Now like, they, it was there. They make those deals now while the movie's like in production in theaters. They make the deal where uh, the Fast and the Furious 6 is going to be on... These stations, you know, next year, like, it's insane. Like, the entertainment's now, it's like, we, we are we are so just inundated with it, and I don't think we have to step back and realize how it was 20 years ago. You know, that's part of it. Well, yeah. No, I mean, and I do think, like, I mean, you kind of brushed by it in the beginning, but the fact that it's just remakes and sequels. But that doesn't, that doesn't it, hurt. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't help. But, but I, I think, it, it, I think, I definitely think it's, it's more of a technology thing than it really is a... Uh, a uh, lack of and creativity, they, and they did say about they did have to push back uh, Fast and Furious Seven because of Paul Walker and have to reshoot it, and they did put back fucking Jupiter Descending or whatever. I saw the trailer for that movie a freaking year ago, and they pushed it back to July 2015 or I don't something. Even know what it is? It's not going to make any money. You know, it probably looks like it costs a quarter of a billion dollars to make. <coughs> Good, it's a great nice sci-fi thing with Mila Kunis and uh, Tanning Chatham. Channing mm-hmm. Tatum. I don't know how to say his fucking name. All right, next topic. Is um wrestling? Oh yeah, we haven't been wrestling in a while. No, we haven't. Um, so I'm going to start with a little bit of, of of what I know, and I'll just keep it. Brief. You know nothing. Yeah. Well. Um. So I mean, this is this is a little bit past due, but I just want to touch a little bit on the fact that the trifecta of people that they really wanted to pull into NXT 
is finally all there. We have Kenta, we have Fuck Yourself, uh, so we have Kenta, we have Prince Devitt, and we have Kevin Steen, um, which is... I saw Steen debut on NXT uh, TakeOver. Uh, yeah, our evolution. So, evolution, yeah. what do they call him? Hideo Koji... Uh, Hideo... Hideo... Hideo Itami. Itami. Yeah. Um, Finn Balor and uh, Kevin Owens. So they finally have these guys in, and what's great about it is they're going to start pulling up and ruining the careers of their best talent uh, very soon. Did you hear that they, 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 are, they were contemplating, possibly still contemplating, giving Adrian Neville a Mighty Mouse gimmick? No fucking way. Yes. The guy who was their champion. Who was their champion. Great who wrestler. is Who is... Yeah, not the best that they've got right now, but definitely a very great his, wrestler. His finishing move is a twisting corkscrew 360 uh, fucking shooting star press that is unbelievable. Uh, believe it's me. It's insane. I can't, it's you, called the you Red have, Arrow. You, it, have to, yeah. you have to see it because I don't know if any wrestler has ever done it. It's absolutely insane. I'm pretty sure it's been done not as cleanly as he regularly pulls it's it off. It's insane. So um, most wrestlers have problems doing a shooting star press. Not and yeah. No, it's something. But my thing is, when I say that he's not the best, that's not an insult. That means they are they packed are bottom heavy, packed with talent. Sure. And they are going to fucking start pulling these guys up and ruining them. Anyway, so like we've lost like like Tyson Kidd is now wrestling on the main Tyson roster. Tyson Kidd is doing well. He's oh, doing he's well. fucking awesome! I love that uh, guy. His character's great. He's a smarmy. He's, he's, so... he's, he's great because like whenever he's with Natalia, Natalia wins. He'll like go in front of her and like hog the camera. Yeah. It's fucking great. It's, so, yeah. um, our evolution, in my opinion, uh, which was uh, the pay per view that uh, Owens debuted at. Where Zayn won his title was probably the best pay-per-view of style year. event I've seen in many, many years. Many years, okay. many years. I really, do, I mean, there were a couple of matches on the card that were, <laughs> eh, but where it counted, um, it was fantastic. Uh, when they, uh, when, 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 um, when, what do they call? When Balor c- came out uh, for weeks, I everyone that. was like. Everyone's like, "Where the fuck's his paint?" And then he comes out in like a modified version of his paint, so and the crowd went fucking apeshit. It was like, like what, what? What is he? Scottish or Irish? Irish. He's Irish. Like, he's like war paint, basically. Comes yeah. Well, out well, well, what he came out with, he used to come out in like this this crazy like 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 uh, old Scott style, like uh, almost like I want to say Celtic war paint. His new paint for the WWE uh, for NXT is he basically has fangs. Down his chin and right here. So when he open, when he lifts his head up like this, it looks like he's a giant mouth. Um, and I mean, it was cool. It was cool. that was a that. highlight, you know. I mean, and it, but what was great is seeing all these people in the crowd lose their shit for it, not because it was a cool entrance, but because they know their stuff. There's such a divide between the NXT crowd and the WWE crowd. I feel like it's insane. The people who watch NXT, they know these guys. They know the moves. Every time, and he hasn't pulled it off yet, but every time Kenta goes for a GTS, people go fucking insane. Just putting the guy on the show. I saw that. Yeah. I did watch that. And match. he did it, it again insane. recently. He got it. But they still haven't let him use it. And the thing is, is uh, you know, with... Um, with uh, CM Punk not being with the company anymore, and the fact that, well, fucking A, Kenta invented the move, I mean, I'm hoping he gets it back, because that's a vicious move when he pulls it oh, off. Oh, of course he's good. They're going to let him do it. Yeah. Well, but whether or not they allow him to go to the main roster and then use it, it to get a following, plus, plus he does that running knee that Brian uses as well. Yeah. 
But, um, but, yeah, but that's because all these guys were inspired by... I know. Kevin, and this is the weird thing about the WWE is you've got... you've got The products are totally different. Yeah, I know you, that. You've got the guy who inspired your main eventers on the main show working your undercards. It's just, it's nuts. Anyways, uh, on a secondary show, yeah, not but, even on the main show. Anyways, I don't, I don't want to ramble. You've got something you want to well, say about I'll Brian. Let, so. well, well, no, we'll talk about Brian separately. This is a good, good cutoff point. But I'll just say is that NXT is very interesting. I didn't watch the entire event. I watched a chunk of it. Uh, I watched the, uh, the Ascension uh, tag team match, which basically was their send-off. The Ascension just premiered in on Raw, I'm iffy on them. I think it's a little bit too old school. I, it's a little bit too... It's LOD. It's a little bit too on the nose. A little bit too acolytes for me. It is. It's a little bit too much. They are good wrestlers. Yeah, they, they actually had their official send-off uh, this past Thursday. They put over... Uh, Balor and Atami again. Again, they put them over because uh, Atami and Balor are splitting as a tag okay. um, to go work singles oh, careers. Good. So they <sighs> let them get one more good win. Um, I do like the Ascension as big power tag team wrestlers. They actually, if you the, work them in a ten minute match, the pr- they yeah. don't gas and they stay interesting. The problem is, is that the WWE doesn't have any other uh, big power, I guess, tag teams to no. go up against. So they're going to have to. They have to. Be, I, I'm not a big. Um, other teams are going to have to learn how to work them. Yes. You know, for a long match. Like, will the Usos be able to work with them and have it be an entertaining 20 minute match on pay per view? I don't know. But um, I did see the Finn Balor, right? Yeah. Or Baylor. Yeah. And I will say, while the, while the, while the intro was cool, it was a little long. It, it went on a while, and he will not be allowed to do that if he gets to the main roster with the lights going on and off. He's, no. he's not going to get a fucking Undertaker entrance when he was he's a rookie. No, they, That's not going to happen. Giovanni so, was upset when he came out uh, this past Thursday or two Thursdays it. ago, and he didn't have it. And I said, special. I, I want to see it. It's going to be special. I said, it's going to be like a pay-per-view type thing only. I said, and I, I want to see it come back, but to me... We'll see. It could have just been something where WWE was like, "Fine, fuck it, throw the fans a bone." They're not leaving us alone about the paint. Give them the paint once, you know. Let let them let them win a match, you know, at a yeah. pay per view with the paint on, and then he's got to move into his new character. So NXT is fun. It's I don't think it's never going to mesh with the main shows. No, I mean that, it, it's not. They're, they're in a weird spot with that. They're in a very weird spot. How it's it's two different shows. It needs to stay two different shows too. I, I mean, it's a shame that no one will ever see those those NXT guys. Like they'll never blow up like the other guys. It's well, a shame. The bigger problem is, is okay. They're wrestling a different type of wrestling in NXT. You pull those guys up from NXT and you put them in WWE. Even if they do see them, you're never going to. Get, if you're just watching the main card, you're never going to get why these people were You'll loved so much because you're going to down see a WWE very, match. Yeah, you're going to see a very watered down version of them. For the most part, what impresses me most about NXT is they let these guys take bumps that they would never let their main guys take. They let guys, these guys pull off moves and work matches that they still don't do in on Raw or SmackDown. Cool. Brian. So here we go. We talked about Sting and Survivor Series banishing the Authority. Less than a month later, the Authority are back in power on Raw. How did this happen? And one of the worst. You didn't even notice till now. No, I don't. You, I, you I, see I my seriously, I, I, I'm seriously. And I have no idea what's going I'm on. Glad, in Raw I'm glad right I'm now. telling you fresh. Okay. Because good. your look of, of like just what? Um, so what happened was they were banished. So they they had like uh, guest GMs there every week. You had. Um, you had the anonymous GM. They did. They did that for one time. Yeah. Trying to work that in. You had the the, the with the guy from Robot Chicken. 
with the red head. He's who hosted Raw before this, the short one. Seth Green. Seth Green. Seth Green. He hosted one. He's hosted one in the past. You know, it's it was fine. Whatever. The whole thing was like John Cena. The whole stipulation was just get to it. How do the, the fuck whole stipulation? Okay. How did they make okay. Cena listen, bring back? Listen to this. Okay. Listen to this. I'm and people were arguing with me about this on Twitter. How I said how this was the most atrocious writing ever. But oh, it's just wrestling. No, it's still fucking stupid and social intelligence. So Edge and Christian. By the way, Christian's officially retired. They kind of announced the side, which is I feel good from. We should have a whole separate Christian conversation. How he was underappreciated. Yes. Anyway, Edge and Christian host role. Um, they have like they have this thing where they both have their own show. They have the Peep Show and the Cutting Edge. You think you know me? They put them together, and in the show they're going to interview Seth Rollins, um, and then interview Seth Rollins. He's with J and J Security. Big Show comes out. Uh, blah blah blah. We're going to have Brock Lesnar out today, who happened to be in the show in the beginning and, and fought with Cena a little bit. Lesnar doesn't come out, um, but Big Show comes out, and then Seth Rollins attacks. Christian, he hits him in the gut with the briefcase, with the money bank briefcase. I can see he's starting to go. Mm-hmm. And then he attacks Edge with it. Mm-hmm. And has Cena come out here right now. So they put Edge's head against the briefcase. And you have uh, Big Show holding him down, holding his head down. And basically Rollins says, don't get any closer Oh, I'll break his neck. I will kill him. Okay. <laughs> that... Usually doesn't happen on Raw, but that's what happens. So, what the fuck? Cena comes to save Edge, who they set up early in the show. They, it was cool. They even brought the fact that they used to have a huge rivalry in the mid-2000s. He went to his house and punched out Cena's dad. They actually brought that up, but they still had a begrudging respect for each other somehow. So Cena comes out to save him. Don't you come any closer. I'll break his neck. Then he changed it to, if you don't bring the authority back, I'm going to break his neck. And this goes on for like five minutes. Where she's like, <laughs> and then finally, they give him a microphone and says, if, if you say, you know, bring back the authority, the authority back, I won't break his neck. So Cena goes, I bring back the authority. Say it louder, Cena! It's like, swear to me! You know, he's Batman. I bring back the authority! And then, no less than 15 seconds later, the music hits, and then... Uh, Triple H and Stephanie Man come out with champagne glasses for the new year, and they're back in power because Cena said it on a microphone. Well, the so the authority is back. Okay, never mind the fact that it was attempted murder in the ring. Right. Say what you will about wrestling; it's very rare when you get an attempted murder on a microphone as a threat. Never mind the fact that you think it'd be a contract you'd have to sign in ink in order to do something like bring back the authority versus just saying it. Never mind the fact that it was extortion over a threat of killing someone. Never mind the fact that Christian was knocked out for 20 minutes at the side of the ring over a gut shot from the briefcase. It was one of the worst endings, not just because it didn't make any sense. But people were like, what about the Attitude Era when Austin had a, a gun to McMahon's head? That was the fucking Attitude Era when you had uh, Mae Young giving birth to a hand. The WWE, to their credit, has stayed away from really fucking dumb things like this, I'd say for a good four years or so. <laughs> Ever since, or five years, probably going back to when McMahon was killed uh, you know, in, in the limo, and then Benoit killed people for real the, the next day, so they dropped the angle. Yeah. I'd say ever since that... They've sort of shied away from shit way, way over the top, where, like, Paul Bear is getting killed by, like, cement. They haven't done that or, shit Or, uh, while. Big Show's dad is being... <laughs> My dad is dead! Your dad is dead! But, yes. Uh, so, really fucking bad for a few reasons. 
One of which being that now the huge Sting debut from a month back means nothing. Means absolutely nothing. Because even Triple H came out the next day saying, Sting, I don't know why you had to be relevant. Potentially setting up a match for down the road, potentially, or doesn't mean anything because now you're back in power a month later, so who fucking cares? Water under the bridge. So, yeah. so one of the, the biggest debut of a wrestler in the past probably 15 years doesn't mean anything anymore. Well, I, that, I mean, it's like we talked about during one of the more recent ones. I, I, I really feel like, you know, that was the last big debut that you could have, at least of an old guard wrestler. And doesn't know, matter a, anymore. A month later. Go back and rewatch it. Doesn't mean shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> you put him out of power for a month. <laughs> um, and this is a problem, though. The writing is so short-sighted and doesn't give anything room to simmer goes back to CM Punk in the fall of 2011. The hottest angle in probably 10 years. The hottest wrestler on the planet. He leaves with the title. He goes to Comic-Con with the title and basically invades the WWE panel at Comic-Con. Major ESPN's talking about it. Major News is talking about it. They want interviews. They bring that motherfucker back three weeks later. They could have waited at least two months, three months, wait until Survivor Series even to do that. It would have been the hottest thing ever. If if you had CM Punk going around, talking smack about the, the, the fake paper champion, I'm the real champion, they won't mention me, you know how huge that would have been when he, they, when he finally would come back? Yeah. But, but, but they don't see it that way. Well, here's the thing. I mean, the the Monday Night Wars, and this is the thing. The, They're the, over. I know. I, I, I've just said it multiple times in a row. I say it a lot, so I'm pointing that out. The Monday Night Wars changed things uh, forever, um, and it didn't need to because WWE no longer has real competition. Okay, in the eighties and nineties, when WWE was on top, they could let things simmer. They could let these these storylines build up for a year or, or more mm-hmm. and really go to a good payoff. Which does make the match better. Even even a shitty match is better when you when you when you follow the the build up to it, you know, because it, it gives it a sure. sense of importance. Um, and they could because there wasn't a lot of competition, so they they could do this properly. They could get they could get real good heat or real good pops or real good hype for a, a wrestler. Then WCW starts to pick up, you know, and, and, and um, when, when Hogan gets over there, NWO comes in, yeah. and suddenly the Monday Night Wars start. And all of a sudden, these, these, these companies, the writers, are constantly trying to outdo each other. Storylines are going out the window. <laughs> Nothing gets any time to cook. Feuds are set up and dismantled within two months. And the next thing you know, Buff Bagwell's fucking tagging with his, you know, arch nemesis, you know. Uh, and, and it's like, it's like WWE doesn't realize that they don't need to do that well, anymore. Well, they think they probably do <clears throat> because they they are now not running a pay per view business now on a network. Sure, but they're shooting themselves in the foot now because <clears throat> they probably got a decent amount of subscribers because they showed Survivor Series for free. Huge match, forty minute match. Dolph Ziggler bumped his ass off. You know, great match, awesome ending with Sting. But now it doesn't matter. So you cannot. And Survivor Series is one of the big pay-per-views of the year. It's one of the big five. Yeah. Or basically big five, big four. four. You can't have a major pay-per-view uh, main event be be counterfeit. You can't go back on it 360 or 180. You can't do a 180 on it. 180 degrees! Yeah, 360. 360. <laughs> you can't do that within a month. <clears throat> no. 
Because now, if I watch WrestleMania or SummerSlam, well, this ending doesn't matter. Well, and this is the thing. If you pull in... I'm going to fucking punch myself in the face if I say this is the thing one more time. Um, these subscribers that you've got, by showing them a good Survivor Series match, if they're new... Because that, that was the point, right? It was to yeah. bring in new viewers, people who don't understand this. Try this for free, see what it's all about, and they did. They give you a good match, and they give you the Sting reveal for free. Perfect way to get people in. But now they see shit like this, and they go, oh, this is what people mean when they say wrestling is... Yeah. Bullshit, or it doesn't mean anything. It's you terrible. Know? And in, in in the long run, I don't know if they're still requiring... I think they are, because I think I had to, and I might have to re-up soon. Um, I think they are still requiring six-month six commitments, at least on your initial, at least on your initial they, sign-up. And those aren't people that are going to come back. This would be like going to watch, I don't know, the end of... Uh, let's say the end of Avengers 2. They defeat Ultron. Spoilers. And then the next movie that comes out, Ultron's back in 15 minutes in. Yeah. And you're like, then why the fuck did I just watch <laughs> Avengers 2 Age of Ultron? Right. It doesn't matter now. Yeah. They have to think of it that way. A major storyline ends. It cannot resume the next, basically the next week. Right. Or next month. It's got to wait like four, five, six months. Hell, give it to the freaking Royal Rumble. And there's just so many... At least. Give it two months. There's so many ways they could have... Done it. Whether it was uh, before Survivor Series or after... Where they could have, excuse me, written this to the point where you Sorry. don't have to threaten to break someone's neck. Edge's neck. Edge's neck to well, bring back. Edge is a non-competitor, too. So you can't even say, well, they do it. no, yeah. he's not even a wrestler. Technically, he could sue the company for $100 million. <laughs> One of your wrestlers, I know you say, whoa, it's wrestling. It doesn't matter. You cannot suspend your, dis- you can suspend your disbelief. Obviously, it's wrestling. But there's only so much you can do it. There's only so much right. you could do it to the point where, like, okay, now it makes absolutely even zero wrestling sense anymore. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. But there was great news on that same Monday Night Raw. Mm. And this was news we've talked about all year. This I've heard, I've heard, I've, I've heard about, yes. This is very good news for lots of different reasons. They, they, they teased, and unfortunately they teased it that, that you knew it wasn't going to happen. They teased that Daniel Bryan was going to retire. The same way Edge did, what was it, already like three years ago. When he came out after WrestleMania right. and retired because of neck injuries. They teased it. I fucking hate JBL in commentary. He ruins everything now. Because he says, well, if every wrestler has that crossroads, he has to come. It was so blatant that, okay, he's not going to retire. Because you're saying it, he's going to retire. When Edge when, when Edge retired, they didn't say Edge is going to retire. They basically said Edge has an announcement to make. Yeah. That's all they said. And then he came out and retired. Everyone was like crying. <clears throat> you know. So Daniel Bryan comes out. Spoilers, he didn't retire. But he bit, gave a very heartfelt speech about, you know, this was a rough year for me. Um, I, I lived my dream. I made a vented. He basically said it. I made a vented. Uh, WrestleMania basically said I wasn't supposed to, and he wasn't. He said, because yeah. of you guys, I made a vented it because they pushed Batista down. I'm going to throw it, and everyone rebelled. Um, then I got married, and then three days later, my dad died, and he starts tearing up in the ring, and I'm like, oh, shit. And then I get the neck injury. You know, which I was was probably lingering, but it finally happened for real. I think it was in June. Um, actually, it was like May. It was like the whole point was he's been gone for half the year. He had to give, give up the title, and honestly, they didn't know he was going to wrestle again. Yeah. He had a surgery, and reports were it wasn't totally successful. Right. He still was not getting feeling back in his arm. So this would be obviously tragic. Guys in his prime, he he's the most popular wrestler in the world before he gets hurt. The fans fucking love him. He's a great guy. He's our buddy or neighbor in PB. He's got good facial hair. Got good facial hair. <laughs> so, and he, but they brought him back after Survivor Series to show up, and the fans still went nuts. 
and, and and Brian's not a guy they're mentioning on TV even every month. No, I, I remember that you know, too, and I because I, I saw a clip of it. They're mentioning remember, fucking I, Roman Reigns coming back for hernia surgery, but not Daniel Bryan uh, coming back from a neck injury. Yeah, you know. But it, it was a really it, it it just it made me happy because it showed that maybe the WWE fans aren't as fickle as I always think they are. Sure. At least with a good worker that that they they've really attached themselves to. Because you're right, they haven't been talking about him. They're, they were hedging their bets. I yeah, think. yeah, I think they were too. They were hedging their bets. They really didn't know if he was coming back, and he shows up, and the crowd still goes fucking crazy. As much as they do nowadays. You yeah, know, the, it's not like the attitude era with Austin and Rock, but it's it's, it's, it's people almost. bleeding over bleachers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he comes back and says, you know, people are asking me, you know, this is the end, you know, and he's tearing up, and people are like, ah, fuck. Mm-hmm. But he goes, no, this is not the end. And he goes, and I'm here to announce one thing. I'm going to be in the Royal Rumble. Yeah. And the crowd goes fucking apeshit. Wow. And, and instantly I'm like, this solves all their problems. Yeah. Because Roman Reigns is not the answer. No. He's not the future at this point. And if it's they, never going to be the future. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, at this point, it definitely is not. But Daniel Bryan, and they would not have announced it unless he's going to go to the Royal Rumble. And he's going to win the Royal Rumble. They would not have announced it. Because if he goes to the Royal Rumble, and it's going to be in Philly. Oh. Philly is smart town, USA. Yeah, yeah. If he goes to the Royal Rumble, he goes in that event and loses it. It'll be worse than last year when he wasn't even in it. They will boo the shit. Not only will they boo the shit out of it, they will shit all over the ending no matter who wins it. Unless they have, unless they have Ziggler. Say, Ziggler. That, see, that's is, the only option. That's what I was going to say. That they, is it. There is Ziggler... And Brian, that's My, it. That's what and I was. And it's gonna not going to be Ziggler because Brian's still the most popular wrestler on the planet. I the only thing I would the only thing that I could see, and, and you you took the words out of my mouth. Um, I think the community as a whole, they wouldn't be happy. They wouldn't shit over a Ziggler win. No, um, they wouldn't. Uh, and I think what they could do potentially because the company's run by assholes, um, they could give Ziggler the win, which would be great. Uh, it would probably be. My guess is it's got to be Brian and Ziggler at the end. One of the two wins. If Ziggler wins, some sort of fucking stipulation match occurs. Brian, Brian's still in WrestleMania is what I'm getting at. Brian is still headlining WrestleMania. You, you, they're going to do the Bret Hart narcissist Lex Luger double ending yeah. <laughs> and, and decide who, who's more popular. Yeah. Now they're going to have whenever they do an announcement like this, they always win. They just about always win. Um, and again, he never had his Royal Rumble moment last year when he should. True. Have. Um, I said it before, and I'll say it again: the Lesnar versus Brian will be the biggest match in the past fifteen years, especially since Lesnar they blown up as the biggest monster. And Brian, it's the ultimate underdog story. You're shaking your head, but you will watch will that you, match. Will you? I will. But will you get off of Lesnar's ass? He sucks. He's not a believable monster. He he's not a believable monster. He hasn't blown up. No one gives a fuck about Brock Lesnar. When he's on the show, the whole show changes because yeah, because they'd rather be doing something else. You are going to be killed in the comments. They, he's a credible monster. He was the UFC champion. That's not a credible monster. He's okay, a, okay, he's a credible monster. He's not a good or interesting monster. He's interesting, especially with Heyman. The point is this: is that I will watch that match. That match will be very, very, very good. Yes, it probably It'll be will be even better when when Guerrero faced uh, Lesnar and beat him for the title. That was a great match. It will be better than that. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not and doubting. The, and the drama will be a hell of a lot higher. Because, I'm not. I'm not doubting yeah. that it's going to be a good match. 
I'm just saying Lesnar as a whole is milk. You're not buying into the character. I'm not buying it. No. Okay, I do. I buy into the character. I buy into he has very good skills in the ring for especially for a guy that huge. No, he is good in the ring. Yeah. So that's gonna happen. If it doesn't, they're gonna I think they're even being careful. I think Reigns are gonna even not even put it in the rumble. I think they realize he's not going anywhere. Yeah. They put I think they put him in with um I think they're putting him in a few with like Big Show or something or or someone else or you know what I mean just to get him out of the way because the fans would shit all over and it's a shame because Reigns seems like seems like a nice guy he just doesn't have the believability of this tough guy he no. looks, he looks like a tough guy you don't feel it the difference people say people say well uh, Brian isn't good on the mic either but Brian is authentic he's all, yes that's that's who that guy is yeah, right he's and that, the fans realize that he's not great on the mic as a character but he just but he, goes, he goes out and plays himself yes um. The weird thing is, just that we're getting a little off topic here. There was like two points I wanted to make, and I already forgot one. Um, oh, one. <coughs> you're right. You're probably right about the rumble because uh, they want the first of all. They want the network buys. Uh, Zig, well, Ziggler, Ziggler benefits greatly. Ziggler's going to benefit almost. Ziggler's going to benefit almost exactly the same from a second or third place finish. As he would a first place finish, whereas Brian needs the rumble. One, two. The other point that I wanted to say is, it's just funny looking at. I feel bad because the guy's injured, but it's funny when the Shield broke up. A lot of people thought Reigns was going to be the one that needed the least amount of help to find his place on the card, and he, is the most, and he yeah. needs the most amount of help to Rollins find his place is, on the card. Rollins' Zam- guy is actually the most solid. R- Rollins is a number one heel in the company. Rollins is, an, is a fantastic heel. And uh, Ambrose is 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 doing well. Is is doing well. Um, I I was overall let down by the Wyatt Ambrose uh, feud. I thought it should have been a lot better. But Ambrose and Wyatt are both still great wrestlers. But yeah, Ambrose found his niche. I mean, they they yeah. all found their parts. And now you've got Reigns, who when you're not tagging, that's the thing about these big guys. You see him in like it's as a three man tag. Reigns could go in uh, there and look impressive, I, I, but he, he's not uh, yeah. going to he's not going to work a singles match. I left the comment super well. I left the comment. I was totally serious that the Reigns Big Show match I could have worked that match with the amount of moves that were just punch clothesline punch kick clothesline. You mean punch. Owens Big Show? The no, Ro- match? No, Roman Reigns versus Big Show. Oh, I didn't. I didn't watch it. They, they had a match like two weeks ago, and it was the most just mundane. Match. I don't want to say it was bad. It was just like holy shit. Like, you can't even work against a big guy because you're kind of big guy yourself. Where it was something like Brian, take out the legs, work that, or if it's Ziggler, run around, bump well, a lot. It's just, it's just, he doesn't, he only worked, big guys only work as the biggest guys in the company. Actually, they rarely work. as, And he's not even like, he's not even as big as John Cena is. But at least John Cena has that personality where he's like a superhero. Reigns Rangers has the badass personality, silent, you know, silent guy. I used to think, I, I'm not going to lie, I used to think. Good old Paul White was for a big man wrestler more interesting than most. Oh, yeah. But he has not been interesting in years and years. Well, he's got to be like forty three. Yeah, right I know. He's just he's. I mean, he used to be good in that role, and now he doesn't pull it off very well. So I'm happy. Obviously, the WD would not probably give the go ahead unless they figure Brian's is is on a, a good road to recovery. You know, they would not chance this happening again. Where you know what I mean? Unless he was fully recovered. They're not going to have him go and get injured, you know, after winning the Rumble or, or being champion again and disappearing. I know it's been a bad year for WWE before, you know, Reigns had the hernia thing, but Brian gone. Um, you have um, CM Punk gone. Uh, you have Del Rio quits. Um, you have all. Oh, no. Um, he was a good worker. 
Um, they needed the heels. They needed everyone. The whole point was. Oh, the- I'm sorry. Del Rio is fun. I'm thinking of the fucking flamenco dancer guy. Oh, uh, he's back as a different version. Yeah, two, I know. Two point I can't stand that. Guy. Uh, but the whole point is, is that you had all these bad injuries this year. Yeah. And so there, there was depleted, but Rollins filled it in. Brian's back. Barrett just came back, which is good, and he's he's a face now. He was he was a face when, but he they left. are so depleted with heels. Ryback's now a monster face again. There's no heels except for Rusev and and Rollins. That's it. Those are your big big heels. It's really Russell and 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 Bryant and Way Bryant, Way Bryant. So Bray Wyatt, yeah, my voice is going. The <clears throat> the the smart thing to do. I think would have been to uh, continue what they teased in NXT, which was turning uh, Neville heel, and then brought him up as a heel into WWE. Maybe they'll do that. Maybe they'll do that as Mighty Mouse. <laughs> anyway, that can't be true. That can't be. True. I'm hoping it's that's not. like the hurricane coming through again. Well, so anyway, I'm happy. We're, we're we're going along on this, but yeah. I'm, I'm I'm actually very glad that Brian's back because he's a fantastic wrestler. He's like I said the most popular wrestler, and he's a really nice guy. And I, I'm happy to see him recover from this, and him winning the Rumble. And plus, it's a built-in storyline. He never lost his title. Yes, this is Brock Lesnar's technically an interim champion until Les, until. So that, that's even a, a storyline where he's like, I should get my title shot, and the authority says, No, you're a B plus player. You got to win the Rumble. You're going to be number one or two, and then work your way through it. So it wrestling. Woo! All right, Q and A time. This is from at Tyson Frietas. Sounds good. Would you like a Frieta? Yes. Is finding a deal on eBay now dead? Has the use of internet her collector's ability to obtain a deal. I think that's a yes and no sort of thing, unfortunately. It's much harder on eBay because of what we, we talked about, bots and buy it nows and things like that and email alerts. And there's not many open auctions anymore. At least with open open auctions, it's a little more honest about where the prices end up. But there are forums where you can trade. There's still Craigslist where you can find a deal. I just made a Craigslist deal uh, recently, which, while not a super deal, was a good deal. So it is possible to find these using the internet. Yeah, I think, um, I think if anything, what might happen is it, it might uh, reinvigorate the you know trade with your friends uh, sort of scene sure. that you know this really started on uh, before it became all about money. Um, you know, if if people get sick enough about sick enough about the prices, two things are going to happen: the prices are either going to go down, or people are going to find alternate means of getting these games. Mm-hmm. And you know, a really great—we've said it a billion times on here—but a great way to do it is actually get yourself involved in the community, make a couple friends who who are into it too, trade your doubles and all that stuff, oh. and, and, and 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 you can find these games cheaper. And it's not even just a trade thing; it can be where you no. can, you give me you sell at twenty five percent below eBay, I'll do the same down the road. Yeah, and that's how you. Spend be at least on digital press. I used to get great deals where there's no way, or you'd hope that you'd get them today, but they were great even towards eBay prices at mm-hmm. the time. You know. So there you have it. Uh, at Ash X King, do you see the Amiibo and Skylanders a fit or the future of gaming? Um, the future. I think immediately, like right now, uh, it's, it's, it's not the future of gaming. Um, I think it's an interesting idea with with the Skylanders, something I don't play. Uh, I like the idea, you, you know, if you're going to do DLC, you get a fucking toy with it. Um, you know, it gives you leveling branches. Uh, there's more you do with a Skylanders toy. Uh, I like the Ami- The Amiibos are selling and printing Nintendo money right now, not because there's any really great functionality included because with them. Because it's cool toys. Uh, it's because <laughs> Nintendo is finally officially putting out nicely done little statuettes of their f- most famous characters. Um, but when you look at Skylanders in years past and you look at Amiibo now, 
at some point, everyone's just going to throw up their hands and be like, fuck this. It's not worth the time, the money, the effort, and the assholes to get what I want. Okay. I think... Now, obviously, this sort of thing cycles. You know, I mean, this could become popular again in the future, but I don't think it's going to be a consistent thing. I see this being piggybacked. I see this being like motion controls where... They're like I said, they're printing money. They're selling yes. these out, and now no one and, uses motion controls. That's what I'm saying. It's going to have a burning point. It's, it's going to yeah, burn but out. It's, you, I think you're going to see next year, like Microsoft put out freaking Halo bows that you know, or Halo figurines. I think this has. They see they're not dumb. They see like, wow, this is easy money. We're producing these little guys for a buck each and selling them for whatever twelve well, bucks. The other thing is, so unless you can come up with. Oh, because Ninten- Nintendo didn't do it. Unless you can continue, but Nintendo didn't have no, to. No, hold on. Nintendo, Nintendo didn't have to. But unless all these other companies can come up with good reasons for making <coughs> these characters, these toys that interact with the game, you might as well just sell action figures. You don't. No, they don't have to. They can just do it as DLC, unlocking DLC. They can do it as you buy this Halo figure. You get instead of a thirty-round clip, you get a sixty-round clip. You know, it makes your game. Why? Maybe, maybe it's like, the same as DLC, except that you be able to sell more of them, and plus it's a figurine to give people more incentive to buy them. Maybe if you're looking at it in terms of DLC packs, and there's going to be four, and you get four figures. I don't think, I don't think the market, I don't think parents, I don't think people are going to continue to chase down hundreds of Skylanders and forty-eight amiibos. No, no, I'm not saying that. Time and time again, Nintendo's totally different than saying if if Halo, if they put out ten different Halo figures. What I'm saying is they'll be able to sell those though because people are into Halo, they'd buy them. Okay, yeah, NFC so, technology and yeah. stuff like that is going to stick around. I don't think it can maintain the pace it's currently maintaining. Sure. But I do see this being adopted in some capacity. Yeah, sure. By okay. at least one of the other two big companies. That I can. That I can see. This is at at Captain Pacifico. I've never beaten the Legend of Zelda on the NES. What gaming confessions do you guys have? Playing virtual Valerie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Um... <laughs> My my personal gaming confessions? I, I'm fucking awful at games. I mean, I have so many personal gaming confessions, you know, about games that I haven't beaten. That's uh, ridiculous. Never, uh, never beating, uh, let's see, what's a, a random game? Dig Dug 2. I never beat Dig Dug 2. No, um, I've, I haven't played more than 15 minutes of Ocarina of Time. I've never got into the 64. I've never gotten to 64 in general, but I've never got into the 64 Zelda games. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess if, 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 if you want to go with things that you haven't played all the way through... Uh, big big gaming confessions for me are uh, Chrono Trigger. I've never played. Um, and really? Wow. Never played Chrono Trigger all the way through. I, I never really I played, played Chrono. Play. I've never really played Chrono Trigger at all, and I've never played more than maybe twenty minutes, thirty minutes of Earthbound. I played through most of Chrono Trigger, but then I stopped when I read there was like forty different endings. I'm like, this is ridiculous. It's I don't want to replay twenty, this. but yeah, yeah still. I, I said I don't want to replay this game forty times. I'm just I can't. Right. No, so I, I guess people are often surprised. I mean, I've played a lot of RPGs when I was in high school. That was my genre, was I just played RPGs constantly. RPGs, fighters, also, and shooters. And uh, I've I've never... There are definitely some pretty big RPGs I've never touched. And on the NES, I never really got that much into Kid Icarus and Metroid. Never got into them. Especially, I never liked... I don't know, I never liked the mechanics of Metroid that much, but whatever, it's all other conversation. Mm. All right, um... This is at, from at Jeron, 0004, writes for the punk of Hey, Jeron. What's the most annoying New Year's resolution that people never keep? Uh, fucking all of them, because no one ever keeps any New Year's resolutions. This is why, okay, I fucking hate New Year's resolutions. And the reason <laughs> why is, why do you need to wait until New Year's Day 
to make a resolution. Just because it's it's a, it, I mean, because it's a cute starting point. It, it's no different than any other day. That's why I don't like New Year's resolutions. When you make a resolution on New Year's, you're putting all this weight on yourself, and you're bound to crash. You know what? If you want to eat healthy, just fucking sit down and be like, okay, next time I go grocery shopping. This is the list I'm going to use, and I'm going to start eating healthy. Don't put a day or a date on it. That's that's sure. why New Year's resolutions don't work. Yeah, I never even keep my Lent resolutions. Get up stuff for Lent. I never even kept that. Um, I don't know. The big one is people always say, "Yeah, look at the next first two weeks of the year at the at the at the fitness clubs. They're packed, and it starts to die off." And people realize. Um, I don't know. That's kind of I don't know. I don't know what people usually keep besides you know stop smoking, stop overeating. Want to start exercising? I guess the like that. I, I guess the short what I was going to say is they do it because they feel they have to, Versus not because they to. want to, and that's oh, why yeah. they fail. I th- also think people make excuses for themselves. Yeah, and so that's maybe that, their own excuse. Well, you know, it's a new year, but I didn't really want to. It's yeah. a new year. It's a new year's resolution. No one resolution. No one else keeps it. Why should I? Right. Maybe it's maybe it's des- maybe they're designed to fail. New year's resolutions. What do you think in the comment section? Oh fucking Christ! Click like and subscribe <laughs> at uh, Shawnee underscore two zero eight seven. Hey Pat, does Frank ever ad lib any of his lines when you guys record a scene? I hope you guys had a great Christmas and a happy New Year. Oh, the year's not bad so far. Christmas was pretty good. Ate a lot of ate a lot of uh, <coughs> Italian pastry. Oh yeah, Frank is um. Frank has a knack of not being able to deliver lines how I write them. Not because they're too verbose, but he doesn't like some like like word pairings, so he'll change them. Uh, but then, but eventually, then he'll change like parts of phrases then too to get more to how he naturally says it, which usually works. Yeah, I was gonna say, having worked with Frank, I've always noticed that when he looks at a line, he kind of frowns at it, and it comes out the way you wrote it once, and he hates it because it's not how he talks, and then he kind of molds it into how he's going to speak. But then sometimes I, I get him to do a particular line because it makes sense with the other lines around it. Uh, but no, he, he does ad-lib a good amount. Um, usually when I say, okay, insult me and just add in your own thing. Or my last video when he's, uh, you know, you didn't, you didn't watch my video. You, you never watch my videos. But when he's attacking me, we ad-lib that entirely. That, the things he's saying when he's, when he's hitting me with a rolling pin. Mm. So you'll never see it. Maybe I will. I think I'm in that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can only watch the ones you're in. How do you comment in a video you don't watch? That's kind of weird. What do you like? Hit pause so it doesn't start. It was like four in the morning. Yeah. I've what do you What are you doing at four in the morning? Commenting on YouTube videos. What else am I fucking doing? I don't know. Go to sleep. I don't sleep. I just yeah. I do. I hit it. I hit pause. I read the comments and then I go do something else. You're insane. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. This is from at Amy three one four. Hey Amy, how's it going? Howdy. Is it worth buying a Wii U to play NES and Super Nintendo games? Have never owned a Nintendo before, and retro systems are crazy expensive in Oz. Oh, it's in Australia. Um, I would. Could, is the uh, Nintendo uh, Wii shop still open to buy a Wii and just do that? Use that instead. Is that worth it? You think? Uh, not right or, now. I mean, <clears throat> and that's kind of why I wanted to answer this one was. Um, you know, she mentioned she's from Australia. Uh, and, and, you know, in places like Australia or South America, the older systems get really expensive. When people come up from Brazil, they buy shitloads of Sega Genesis systems because to take them back because they're so expensive down there. Um, the Wii U right now uh, does not share the same virtual console library that the Wii does. So there's and different games in both. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, the mainstay classics are there, um, but it's otherwise fairly slim pickings. Depending on what the price of a Wii is 
in Australia. Um, and I know that the Wii U shop, or the Wii shop is still up. You may want to check and see how much longer, if, if Nintendo's given any insight into that, maybe going down. Probably not. They like making money. Um, you would get a larger selection of games from a Wii currently than you would a Wii U. Now, that doesn't mean it won't change in the future, but right now you'll get a bigger selection of not only Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and N64 games, but you're also going to get Genesis you know and Turbo Graphics. I'm just going to say this, because screw it, they're not they're not native to your land anyway. Get a flash cart. Just get a flash cart. Yeah. Buy a system, get a flash cart. If you're in Australia, you can't find... There's no Turbo Graphics games in, you know, Australia. Right. Artifice, Super Nintendo games, get a flash cart and say, screw it. Spend, spend, spend money on the system, which costs you a bunch, but $250, you're going to buy another game again. That's there. another option. Yeah, depends. I'll just say that. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're going to go digital anyways... Yeah, yeah, flashcard it. Okay. Okay. At not Paul Romo, Ro- Raul Romo, at Real Jeff Funs- Funstick. How do you how do you accept fans' donations, i.e. games, gifts, etc., with a smile? I have some stuff I like to give a good home to. Well, you can send a self addressed stamped envelope to uh, care of the CU Podcast, <laughs> P.O. Box 7695, San Diego, California, nine, California. I fucked that up. Nine two one six seven. If anyone ever wanted to send me anything, send it to the uh, something people have. Um, the Luna Video Games in Ocean Beach. PO okay. Box seven six nine five, San Diego, California nine two one six seven. Okay, yeah. Bob. <clears throat> Man, my voice was back and now it's gone again. This is how it was when I finished up recording my Christmas episode. <coughs> um, this is from at Chance Pokes. Fallout on Nintendo taking action against websites such as Cool ROMs and other emulation sites. Well, Nintendo's always always done this. Gone like they. I don't remember even ten years ago trying to download like a Nintendo ROM, say Mike Tyson's Punch Out or Kirby's Adventure, and Nintendo does a pretty good job casing the larger emulation sites and making sure those ROMs are not available. I think. I mean, my personal. Which is their right? Yeah, it's their right. I mean, here's the thing: a lot. Oh God, damn it! Right? Uh, yeah, I just said, here's the thing again. So I punched myself. Um, more more of a slap. Uh, Nintendo still makes money off of their digital ROMs. Uh, other companies, a lot of companies that have gone out of business are no, are, aren't participating in these online marketplaces, etc. They're not making or losing money by having these, these ROMs out there. Mm-hmm. Nintendo is. Um... You can be for emulation, against emulation. That's not really the conversation here, I don't think. But Nintendo is still making money off of these, so of course they're they're going to go after them and try to get them shut off. You know, when Nintendo stops making money off them, which will be never, but if Nintendo were to stop making money, you'd probably see them pursue this a whole lot less. I mean, that's just that's what it comes down to. I I I think honestly, if if Nintendo had their, you know, didn't have their their eShop. They probably they might say, eh, screw it. I mean, they allow they allow fan hacks, they allow fan translations of games. They don't go after them, no, because it doesn't because that's not, that's not to them not losing money. They're not right. If they're not lo- Nintendo, just seems to be like if they're not losing money on something care. like the like the Mother Three translation for that you know we were never going to see over here anyways. Yeah. Um, they don't they fine, but if you're taking money out of their pockets, yeah, they're going to go after it. Well, they haven't again. That's their right. At ants on. Anno Berlin. Getting into vinyl and collections growing quick, can you recommend any sites slash apps slash communities to join to learn more? Yeah, I mean, I'll keep this pretty slim, uh, pretty quick. Um, 
if you have an iOS device or probably an Android device, uh, an app that I recommend is called Milk Crate. Uh, Milk Crate works in conjunction with Discogs.com. That's D-I-S-C-O-G-S, the abbreviation of discography. Uh, This is a really big website with tons and tons of information on music, uh, not just vinyl, but CD releases, cassette releases, all that stuff. Um, The way Milk Crate works is uh, you can enter the name of an album, you can scan the barcode on an album, um, sometimes it'll automatically recognize it, add it to your collection, or you can, uh, you know, if you want to get real nitty gritty, you can find exactly which of the 15 pressings of something it is by reading the, the, the run out groups. So this is a really good way to get everything organized. Uh, it gives you a rough idea of price. I'm weird when, when sites price things, but discogs.com takes the, um, last 50 sold and then gives you the lowest, the mean and the highest that they sold for. And uh, it's just a good information source. Um, as far as communities go, I participate in a severe lack of communities. Uh, so I honestly don't know where to go for like a collecting community. Um, I actually find record collecting is still a very local thing. A lot of local record shows, a lot of local record swap meets, make friends with your independent record store uh, owners and managers. They will help you find what you want and hook you up with it. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, good. Eat me. Next question. <laughs> thoughts or memories of the show? Oh, at Bill Dandy. Thoughts or memories of the show's Nick Arcade and or Video Power? So, Video Power, somehow I never saw that as a kid. I must have missed it or wasn't syndicated in my area, which seems weird in the, in the you know, tri-state area. But I never really caught that. But Nick Arcade I watched religiously, you know, after school. I think it came on, you know, five days a week, I believe. And it was interesting. The problem was, obviously, it had very little to do with video games. At least on Video Power, uh, going back and watching him like on YouTube, a lot of the questions have to do with video game topics. That right. was a problem with Nick Arcade. It was mostly like as- answering random questions or trivia or um, doing these little puzzle things that had nothing really to do with video games. The only part of the video games were the video challenge, where the yeah. host would go, It's time for a video challenge, you see? And they play... Uh, 30 seconds of a Genesis game. I think his or, name is Phil Lamar. I think it's Phil Moore. I Phil Moore, that's Phil it. Moore. There you go. Who was a nice, good host. Yeah. Probably prefer him over Johnny Arcade. But the thing is, is that we wanted to see video games. And you saw video games for literally a minute. Because you had 30 second challenges, and it usually was, can you get 50 rings of Sonic the Hedgehog in a minute? And they would fuck up and not be able to do it. Or, let's play this weird Triple Graphics game for some reason that's on Nick Arcade that no one's ever going to own or play. They had some weird selections. I love some of the weird selections, but there were some weird games on. Yeah, they used to put like some of like the Wolf Team games on there. Like El Viento used to always be a game on there. There were some esoteric titles. That see, this is this you know in general. I mean, I I had seen both shows. Uh, Video Power, I believe, what was different formats for its two seasons. And at the end of the second, at the end of the second season, that was the one. The second season at the end of the show is the one where the kids got to run through like a fake toy store and, and Velcro, f- yeah, games and, and, and Velcro games and <laughs> fill like a big bin. But the thing was, <clears throat> anyways, uh, what did that mean? You're jealous of those children? No, running through the stores. No. I've had dreams the, about the, running the, through stores and buying video the games. The thing is, is I, I said the thing is again. Um, the gist of NEC and SNK were kind of trying to get their foot in America at the time. So you saw a ton of Turbo 
and Neo Geo stuff on both of these shows, which was really cool as a kid because um, either you saw very little of it, you didn't know about it, and for a lot of people, it was kind of an exposure to, holy shit, there's more consoles out there than yeah. the, the Nintendo and the Genesis. So that's what I always liked. It wasn't really that they were going for deep cuts. It was that NEC and SNK were like, Here's some money. Put yeah. our games on your show, but it did it did show you that there was way more to video games out there than just Nintendo. I just wished uh, Nick Arcade had more video games because the beginning of the, sh- of the two rounds where they they're playing, like, they always playing like a variation of Pong or Space Invaders. You know who made those? Who made those? Cygnosis. Really? Before the, yeah, Cygnosis back in the day made those so, uh, like mini Pong. For people who don't know, they they made they made these like games that they would play in order to win points and win the face off and control of the board where they have to move Mikey from the start to the goal. On this big video screen, so they were never. They should have just played real video games, and they never did that. Um, so then, the end of the show was the, which I did this at Liberty State Park, where basically you go in from a big blue screen, and you are looking at a screen, and you are doing the action on the screen, interacting with it. I remember playing basketball at Liberty State Park and doing pretty well. And again, nothing to do with the video game, but it was like virtual reality, and it was terrible. And I, I don't imagine them trying to get. And some of them won, but you had like crawl, fake crawl, and. Well, I remember. I remember always watching and wondering. I mean, I knew something had to have been going on. You know, I mean, you know, as a kid, you're smart. You're like, you know, okay, they're not actually in the game, but they're always looking ahead and they're always like, they can't get their bearings. And then I kind of did a similar thing to you, only it was at a science museum, and I was like, oh, this is this is fucking horrible. I mean, <laughs> it's bad. It's amazing. It's really Any, bad. The technology they used. It's amazing. Anyone won that shit. It was interesting that it was new technology, but it never worked well. At least, um, what, what was the uh, Starcade? At least Starcade was centered totally around video games. All the questions, mm-hmm. all the challenges, and the final challenge, all video games. Yeah. So I, I understand it's a little hard, hard to do in the early 90s, maybe, with, with maybe different licensing or getting the rights to all the different games. But I wish Nick Arcade had more of that. Moving on. A few more questions left on the CU podcast. Um, nostalgia is a large part of retro collecting. Why do so many people want a Turbo Graphics? But not many people grew up with it. Okay. Um, you think it's many people? Well, it, 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 it's more than, than normal. I, I understand the question, and I think it's a fair question, but it's it, it's only coming at it from one angle. Uh, and this is it. Um, one, not everyone who plays retro games is doing it for nostalgia. Um, I was explaining to parents who ask, why does my 12-year-old kid like this? Or, you know, why does my 22-year-old want to get back into this? I'm like, well, it could be nostalgia, but it's also a practicality thing. These games are easier to learn, easier to jump into. Uh, The majority of them are more Twitch-related. There's no two-hour-long tutorials. I mean, it's just, it's it's a very different type of of, of game. I mean, it is like night and day. It's refreshing to maybe a kid playing these modern games. Right, so it doesn't have to be nostalgia at all. It could just be you prefer the play style. Like, I love one-screen retro arcade games. I love that speed, that score attack, that thrill. Um, The other thing is, uh, they could very well have gotten into uh, collecting for nostalgia reasons. And we've touched on this before when we were talking about prices for Master System and TurboGrafx stuff spiking, but maybe they went back to the NES for nostalgia. Maybe they've done everything they want to do with the NES, and now they're looking for something similar. So they did not have a Turbo when they were a kid. Maybe they never knew about it, but now they do, and they want more of the same. Yeah, I talked to people, collectors, gamers, whatever you want to call them, I know they, you know, interbreed with each other, (laughs) or sometimes you're both. Always saying to me, yeah, I'm, I'm getting more Turbo games now. Or I want to complete a Master System collection. 
And five years ago, if you said that to me, I would have been like, why Why would you be cl- completing a Master System collection or Turbo when you never played either of those? And now it's sort of accepted well. You move on from the system you like, and you go to system that's right. out there or new. Or you, or you can discover new systems via YouTubers or Let's Plays and see that, wow, Turbo Graphics is a kick-ass system. Yeah. And it's, and it's cool because <clears throat> Master System and... Tor graphics were like those systems did not many people had, so it's cool that I'm into them and no one else was or is. You know what I mean? So well, it, was a fresh, it was a fresh. It's a fresh for people who had no experience with them in the past. It's a fresh experience. It's like it, sure. it's like discovering the Nintendo all over again. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to think that people are really doing this because they want more games to play. Some of them though, these collectors just need a fucking hold of fill. So when they're done with one, they just pick out something else. There's a hole in my heart that can only be filled by Tor sixteen. I feel like I feel like I listen to you sing way too much. Not enough. At Anzon Berlin again. Did I get two questions? That's a I'm not sure if that's allowed. Uh some oh some vinyl collectors again think that shrink wrap uh keeps shrinking and can mess up sleeves. Can this be true for games? Yeah, it can. Um let's, let's look. I mean, I, I have I've had sh- I've had albums that were shrink wrapped from the 70s. And the corner and edge wear uh, on them is, you know, probably there just from being around since the 70s, getting bumped and getting, uh, you know, nudged and things like that. But most shrink wrap is done through heat. And over time, especially if you get it near heat, there's the possibility of the shrink wrap coming off. Uh, I, I would say, I, I can't speak for everyone, but the majority of the vinyl collectors that I know take the shrink wrap off of <gasps> like well no I mean there are some that used to just slit it right just to just, give it just, to, just so you could get so you could get the record out you know these people listen to it but oh, they what? they would leave the shrink wrap on there as protection <laughs> but a lot of people now take it off and you know if you want to protect the the sleeve a little bit you buy you buy a sleeve that's a little bit larger than the <laughs> that's not made out of shrink wrap that's a little bit larger than the record you know it's it's something like. It's not like this, but it's it's the same sort of deal as this, where box collectors, you know, they they will put them in something to protect them. Um, I don't know. I it would be kind of. I mean, am I am I an asshole to say it? It would be kind of funny if like someone finally completes their like sealed Still Nintendo set, set and then like twenty years from now, like the boxes are all crunched down. That'd be hysterical. I mean, I don't think. Furthermore, the boxes because there's four corners on an NES game. Uh, or just the multiple corners. It's not just a sleeve. Uh, it would take a lot of pressure from that sure. shrink wrap to really ruin it. I don't think it's going to mess it up that much. You have to remember that a record sleeve is far, far flimsier. So probably not, but it can still happen. Yeah. And this will be. Uh, this wasn't a, a question via Twitter, but it it goes along the line of shrink wrap. I got it via email. Basically, the gist was: I apologize. I don't know if I have the email anymore, but they were asked about. The uh, VJ grading and slamming of new games and what you thought about that. Um, obviously, it's a general question. I think it's for mainly profiteers. Um, yes. If you ask me, there's no reason that you need to own... Uh, first off, anything new in the past 10 years, there are tons of sealed versions of, whether they're toys, whether they're games, whatever. The value of sealed stuff, as people realize it's a collectible market plummets because people don't open them anymore. Right. So getting something sealed doesn't raise the value anymore. Not always, yeah. Um so for example, like there's people that collect say say there's a say for example there's a Wii U game that comes out, get it's sealed, you get it slapped. 
Who's going to get slapped? There could be a person that gets a slap because they like having their game in a case. Okay. Could there be are, a fan of the series. Th- that could happen, sure. But that's not going to be the majority. The majority of people that are going to do it are going to get that game that costs them $50. They're going to pay the 30 40 bucks it is to get it slabbed and try to sell it for $300, $400 and make a $200 profit on it. That's supposed to be most of it. I, th- I think, yeah, I think you're seeing very unintelligent speculation with that. You know, you hear stories about games like Xenoblade Chronicles. Okay, mm-hmm. GameStop's only going to carry it, and it's going to be limited, so get your copy now. So people will go out, and they'll, I mean, they'll look for games, and, you know, they'll they'll try to guess, because I even see it in the store. People will try to guess, you know, this game's going to get a little print run. You know, people will come in, and uh, if we get in, like, a batch of, like, a, a new Atlas game or something, you know, for the, you know, 3DS or, you know, the PS whatever, you know, there's there's this constant idea that Atlas games are in super you know low supply. They're, they're not really. Some of them are, um, and they will kind of like think about it. And I've had people buy games based on what they think the rarity is going to be in the future. Which means I think a lot of the people who are slabbing these are looking at a game and simply without looking at numbers necessarily are going. That's something that's going to be desired in the future. We're going they, to buy it and slab it. What are they doing? Game voodoo? How do they know? And plus, don't they realize that they're thinking that? There's a thousand other people yes. that are thinking the exact same thing? Which is why um, when people... Because people definitely tried to do it at Luna. Uh, when people were buying up multiple copies of the uh, special edition of Shin Megami Tensei Four for the 3DS, uh, you can still get it for... I'm pretty sure, last I checked... You can still get the special edition for the brand new price of fifty dollars on eBay because a bunch of speculators bought up all these copies, thinking it was going to be the next three hundred dollar Atlas game, and they're just sitting there. So, I always say, now if you talk about investing in old games, at least you can be like, okay, at least it's limited, and I know it's limited. But you have no idea what the limits are now. You don't, and plus, again, everyone else is doing it. So it's like when you see commercial for. Get the limited edition Star Trek collector's plates. And it's like, whoa, wow. They're not limited if they're advertising it to the entire U.S. to buy them. Yeah. But and everyone's going to buy them and keep them thinking that they're limited when they're not. So the value is not going to go anywhere. You know, I, I would <laughs> say to, you know, people listening, it's, it's fun to try this sometimes. But think of like a really rare game that's that's that that's come out within the past eight years or so. so you know, something that you can't get your hands on uh, readily, like, uh, like a Yakuza 1 or 2 or something like that. And, um, you know, do a Google search. And a lot of times you're going to wade through more sealed copies than you are open used copies because people are sitting on these things and speculating. Yeah. I and mean, waiting. so, yeah. So, again, if you want to get a game sealed, if you like the series, like how it looks, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I would not invest money on trying to get into a new sealed game market. It doesn't make any sense. Invest that money in something, I don't know, I don't care if you have a 401k or IRA or stock, stock market, that makes a hell of a lot more sense than investing it into a PS4 game and get, you get slabbed. Well, it's, it's, it, it, it only, it's minor, but it sort of touches back to what we were talking about before with like the amiibos and scalping and stuff. And no if added some, value. Yeah, no <laughs> added value. If something is still in production, why? You know, I mean, until you know that it's, it's, it, it, it's running dry or something, I mean... It, 
I just think it's dumb to speculate on things that they can produce more of that they haven't officially discontinued that is still going to be in production. You know, well, plus it's never going to be thrown out. This new stuff's never going to be thrown out like it was twenty years ago. Everything's no. kept nowadays. Yes, including every fucking Madden ever made. Exactly. Yeah, because everyone because now everyone thinks every video game is going to be. They have with baseball cards. Once baseball cards got bigger nineties and comic books. You see, I went to the swap meet today. I literally saw someone that had like fifty copies of of uh, Secret Wars number one. You know, the, you remember the Valiant comic? Yeah. From like I said, like ninety three. There was like fifty copies of that. Thinking probably, well, this is going to go up in the future. You know, they, this wasn't from an old store. It's someone thinking, I'm going to get rich off this. Yeah. And now they're they're not worth the paper they're printed on. No. You know what I mean? They spent whatever they were back then, two dollars a piece, and now they've lost all that money. That's, think about how many people did that. Yeah. And for toys in the 90s and Star Trek Next Generation figures, bring up Star Trek again for some reason, it's the fifth time of the show. I don't know, I'm watching it on Netflix. But uh, yeah, just don't just do not do it. Just stay away from it if, if you're doing it for an investment. There's so many other things to invest your money in. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had people tell me that they're buying two copies of a game, one to play, one to hold on to because they think they're, it's going to be worth something. And I'm like, just buy a different fucking game. Yeah, that's double, true. Double your fun, double your enjoyment. You know, fucking buy a different game. Instead of just worrying about if you're going to make... Because really, here's the thing. When you flip a game for $200... And I'm, I'm not trying to say $200 isn't... I mean, it's a lot of money to me sometimes. But in the grand scheme of things, what are you really making off of that? $200 is not generally... Well, that that's if they do make that. And if they, yeah, if they if, do. If, but if they I'm slab saying, other games, they're not making anything. You're right. But they're I'm losing just, money. Yeah, they're losing money all around. So, I mean, the the... the the profit margin on all but the most rare of this stuff is is generally quite low. Especially say say you do get two hundred dollars for this game, you paid sixty for it. I mean, it's one hundred and forty bucks five years down well, the road. The only people that really win in the end for grading new games is the VGA people. Yeah, stop they're, giving those fuckers your money. They're laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah, they're not your friends. They think you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> And that's our last uh, question on the CU podcast this week. But I have a present to give to Ian. Oh. Christmas present. They're doing exchanges here, but it's, it's, it's tiny. something you can op- open. All right. it's, it's nothing big, but I like tiny. It's a little Snoopy Pez dispenser. Yeah. That's fantastic. You like it? I think it's vintage. It is. Well, it's thank a, you, Pat. I, mean, I, I didn't know you had one or not. I don't. Uh, yeah, I, actually, well, I actually don't. And you think I don't like you. This is a new Pez dispenser. I'm going to have to go get some Pez for it. I know you like really awful candy that rots your brain. So. I do. I like sugar. <laughs> so, I like, I like, I like, is I like Pez even candy. sugar? It's some weird other, you know, like different element that they put in Pez. It's, uh, I used to love Pez as a kid. It's ibuprofen and stevia. So, Well, thank you, sir. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Here's to lots of successful projects this year. Lots of fun conventions. So, for Ian Ferguson, mm-hmm. I am Pat Contry. A two-hour CU podcast is here, and now it's it's over without Ian taking a piss break, thankfully. No. Good night, everybody. Good night.